Welcome to T Dolda. Oh, good again. Welcome to T Dolda. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> You're telling me, bro. good with you, bro. <laughs> yeah. Hey, drink some more beer. Total Degenerates Podcast. Wow, what a week. Draft week is over. Draft weekend is over. Me and Kay Morgan studio back from Vegas. Um, great trip. Super fun trip. Just, um, I'm always just sad after the draft. I know. It was a little different feeling this year for me because we were on the move and we were actually there that it went by so fast. You know, I felt like I didn't get to like it really enjoy it. It fast. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But also I just get sad because I'm just like just miss just miss talking where is everyone gonna go yeah you know i mean just that anticipation is always just so it's just so hyped up just deleting that mock draft tab on your phone yeah un, just, under safari just because googling as many mock drafts as yeah possible. Just, just all the scenarios what can happen and then when it actually happens it's crazy too but then when it's done happening it's done happening it's just it's almost more disappointing than anything to me to be honest with you it, it is a feeling of emptiness more so than anything else like yeah. You know, when your team gets knocked out of the playoffs or the season's over, mm-hmm. you kind of see it coming. But, like, the draft is just, like, go, 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 and then it's done. Yeah. Like, just see you later. Mm-hmm. But we were in Vegas, unreal time. We saw a lot of different people, shook a lot of different hands. Um, I thought the coolest thing, you know, obviously we'll get into this kind of the things we did, but um, just the fact that we saw fans of every team. That was really cool. In the hotel lobby, um, at the actual draft, it was just like Jags jerseys, Texans jerseys, things you never really see, um, especially being in S- Southern California. We don't see a lot of these other teams. And I, I literally think I saw every single team's fans at some point or another. And it's unlike going to a game. You know, I went to the Super Bowl. I've been to um, multiple games, multiple stadiums. You know, there's always some form of hostility because two teams are going against each other. Um, when you're at the draft, everyone's just happy. Yeah, it was... It was weird, not weird, but it was cool. Like you said, I mean, you saw everybody from every single team there. But what was cool was we had been to recently a country concert together, and I hated just like how crowded it was and just frustrating as being in those crowds because everyone's like drunk, pissed off, whatever. But it's like the NFL draft was crowded, but everyone was drunk and happy, having a good time. Happy. It just seemed completely different vibe. Yeah, you know, you saw Raider fans shaking Charger fans' hands. You know, I mean, you saw all just different things that you're not normally going to see at an actual game. because there's no losers, right? I mean, there is losers. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But everyone's happy. You know, there's a sense of optimism for the draft. And I think, that's, I think that's what makes the draft so freaking cool. Definitely. Um, pretty cool experience. We got to go to a couple different um, events. We saw Derek Stingley the night before the draft. Yeah. Walking around at like 1 a.m. in the casino. Yeah. Um, I got to talk to him a little bit. And you can just tell there were some like butterflies, some nerves going on with him. Um, you know what's funny that... I kind of recognized after when it happened. So we we're just like playing roulette or whatever. And Derek Singley walks, well, we see him from afar and I'm like, I'm like 98% sure that's Well, Derek well first I go, hey, that looks like Justin Jefferson. Yeah, you did say that. And you're, you're like, like, that looks like Jefferson. I was like, no, like, that's Derek Stingley. I was like, that's Derek Stingley. Cause I, the reason why I definitely recognized him cause I saw him in an interview and he was wearing a chain that said Sting. Yeah. And I could tell that he was wearing either the same chain or a similar chain and it looked just like him. I was like, that's Derek Stingley. I'm like, he's wearing sunglasses at 1am in a casino. He's definitely a guy. So that's Derek Stingley for sure. But what was funny to me is so he walks kind of by us 
Cody says hi to him and just like says whatever he fucking says to him. And then the guy next to Sting, like he has like an entourage right, around right, him. Right, right, right. So he's got like an entourage of like homies around him. And then the guy next to him dabs you up too. Yeah. And I was like, it's like Cody just dabbed up like the turtle of like Stingley's crew right here. There's like that nobody guy that's like just hanging out with him. Well, he was almost happier that I recognized Stingley than Stingley was. Like he was like, you know, really friendly, the friend. Yeah. He was real friendly and. Mm-hmm. Stingley was cool too, but you can tell like it's fucking one a.m. the night before the draft. Like, yeah. and, I, and I asked him, I was like, you know, how you feeling? Like, you know, a little nervous, whatever. He's like, and he was honest and he was cool. And he's like, yeah, like, you know, a little bit. You know, like it's a big night, pretty much. So it's a big night. But that that was a cool experience. Um, then we go to uh, you know kind of like a private event the next day for um, Des Bryant's NFT company, and there's a bunch of players there, and you know, limited amount of people. So you know, we were in interacting with all these guys and uh funny enough marquise hollywood brown yeah signing ravens jerseys mm-hmm. hours hours before he is traded um to the cardinals and is at their draft party actually that night nuts nuts and i thinking back on it i think he knew he already got traded so as funny as i've we, we're hearing like more and more reports as it comes out <laughs> I don't know if he knew when the party started, but I remember as we were leaving, he was kind of outside and it looked like he was leaving as well. Because we left like, you know, halfway through the party because we wanted to go to the draft. Right. And he was outside, like he was about to leave. And I think in that moment is when he found out and then he was leaving to go to Arizona. At one point, he got up from his seat and took a phone call in the back. Yeah. And I remember seeing it vividly. and Like he left like the panel, yeah. Yeah, and I remember seeing like... I don't know, just on the phone, but mm-hmm. I remember seeing him on the phone. Yeah. Um, one other takeaway, you know, we were hanging out with all the Rock Nation people. Yeah. How fucking big these NFL players are. Yeah. yeah it was definitely, I don't know, surprising. Like, you know, you know, Max Crosby's a big dude, and then you see him in person, like, holy fuck, he's a monster. Yeah. But then, like, Matthew Judon was thick boy big. Like, he, <laughs> he was, was a big dude. Him and Max Crosby kind of, like, yeah. rivaled each other. But they're size. DNs, obviously, but right. then, like... I mean, we've seen NFL guys like Marquise Brown was smaller than we were. Yeah, tiny. He was tiny. Tiny. But then, like, guy like Todd Gurley. Comes Todd Gurley in. was huge. Monster. Todd Gurley was, like, he looked like he could have been a D-end. Yeah. Obviously, he's not in, like, playing shape. He's been out for a year. But he was, like, he was still big. But he was, like, tall, big, like, fucking, he was, he looked in yeah, great shape. Even uh, Trayvon Diggs, I thought, had some size. Really? Yeah, I mean, oh, okay. height-wise, like, you know, he was a couple inches taller than us. And mm-hmm. I'm like, for a corner, you know, that's... Yeah. That's pretty good. So um, well, that was a cool event. Got to see all those guys. And then obviously going to the draft. And um, I know we're going to get into it a little bit. But a cool thing is like the, re- the genuine, like genuine reactions of the fans in the crowd when they hear their team get yeah. make a pick or, you know, just the excitement. And I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, we're going to talk about all the trades because it was such a crazy Nuts. Uh, trade I think draft. I counted, I think, what? Eight trades eight. in the I first think it was round eight, that happened? Eight in the first round. Nuts. Um, but we were standing with, obviously, fans from anywhere or everywhere, and uh, we were right next to a Titans guy. And this is my actually my favorite part. I mentioned it to Kevin earlier, but um, we were standing next to a Titans fan, and he looks at his buddy's phone, sees the news that A.J. Brown gets traded. As he's wearing an A.J. Brown jersey, the complete look of disappointment and shock in his face when he read that phone Immediately takes off his jersey and is just purely upset the rest of the time. No, that was hilarious. I mean, he his, the fact that he was right next to us too is hilarious too. But also, 
that trade, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more in a little bit, but that that was one of the more surprising trades out of all the receivers that were kind of had the potential to get traded. I thought that one was the most shocking to me. Like everyone, I think assumes Debo is the most likely to get traded, and then it's like AJ Brown all of a sudden gets traded. That was shocking to me. Yeah, that that was crazy. And let's go through the trades real quick. You had the Commanders move up to 16. They got pick 98. Well, they moved back. Moved back. Sorry, yeah. moved back. Um, the Eagles and Texans made a trade, uh, swapping 13 for 15 with a bunch of picks involved with that. The Cardinals, as you mentioned, traded for Hollywood Brown um, and Baltimore's third-round pick in exchange for a first-round pick in the draft. Um, you had the Patriots trading with Kansas City for KC to move up. We'll talk about that pick in a bit. Um, Buffalo traded with uh, Baltimore as well. They had a trade. The Bucks mm. traded to Jacksonville. It was just all there, over the place. There's a ton. I th- but I think the most you could say just chaotic chaos moment in that whole draft was when the Saints traded up to 11 and took Chris Olave. That was nuts. That was nuts. That was the first trade that happened and everyone at that moment is like, holy shit, who's getting taken here? You thought, I think, it, you said Willis or Pickett there, you thought. Yeah, I did. I thought it was Jamison Williams. Yes. It was, everyone had an opinion. No, didn't Jameson go 10? No, no Jameson went right after right the after. Lions through another trade, right, another trade from the Lions. So in that moment, though, it was absolute chaos. And when Olave went off the board, that was shocking. I mean, good, bad pick, we'll get into it in a second, but like, shocking. Like, well, let's get into that first. Nuts. Let's get into that first round. And it all started with the shock because Trayvon Walker, you know, hours leading up to the draft was like clear odds on favorite to go one, mm-hmm. and which is shocking in itself. Mm-hmm. This guy who did not have product productivity, he had some in college, but not even the best on his own defense as far as productivity goes. Freak athlete, but it was almost a shoe fire that Hutchinson was going to be that guy. Ends up not being that guy. And I gave you the the bet last week to take Hutchinson too at plus money when it was. I think it ended up going all the way down to minus. It was minus three like a few hours before, but so I'm sure it got steamed to five at least. Yeah, so, I mean, Trayvon Walker, just out of the gate, we had surprises. What else in the first round stood out to you? Especially early on in those drafts. Stingley going three. I Stingley mean, three, you, wow. you go from, you know, the one shock to two was pretty much a lock. And then three being Derek Stingley Jr., that was a, an incredible shock. And I think the funny thing is you have picks one and two, picks three and four. Same position, kind of one, two, three, four. But you also have the guy that went first is the potential guy. The yeah. guy that they think based on combine, based on, you know, some tape, based on potential could be the better player versus the other guy. Because right. you look at Trayvon, Trayvon Walker, right? Like you said, not a ton of production, but freak athlete, freak combine. The upside. Aiden Hutchinson, number two in the Heisman this year. You know what you're going to get with him. You're going to get a really good pro NFL guy. You know all those things about him, okay? Derek Stingley. He's only played since his freshman year. You don't know good, bad, or otherwise, but what you know is he was unreal his freshman year. You know he was a five-star out of high school. You know he can get better, and you think he and we think he's going to be a Pro Bowl guy. Friend and of then, the podcast now. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the pod, yeah. And then Sauce Gardner. You know, it was all production in college. We know what he's going to be in college, right? Is he going to be that? It's just it's just potential versus consistency. And they went for the potential at one at pick three, and that was very interesting to me. Yeah, and I know... You know, you go through the first, I want to say, 14 picks, right? And those are all guys you kind of thought would go in the top 14, just not necessarily where they went. So I think that might be a little shocking. I think the shot comes starting at 15. Kenyon Green was not even a shoe fire first rounder, 
You know, he was borderline like end of the first round in a lot of mocks and a lot of projections we saw. He goes to the Texans and then Jahan Dotson at 16, you know, he was maybe not a first rounder, end of the first round type of guy. So those two guys go back to back and it's like, okay, now we, like now the draft's really now the now the draft's starting. Um and then you have you have some picks that you know make a lot of sense. First quarterback off the board at 20 to the Steelers with Kenny Pickett. Um what, what do we have, like six quarterbacks drafted? Seven? Like, barely any. It felt like three. Like, it felt like we got no quarterbacks in. Um, anything else in the first round before we get in the grades that, that stood out to you? You know, I mean, the teams with multiple picks, I thought yeah. you had two really good, did very well, two teams that did very well, and then one not so well. I mean, I think the Jets absolutely destroyed it with three first-round picks, three guys that were argu- arguably top ten guys all in itself with Sauce, Garrett Wilson, and then Jermaine Johnson. Absolutely killed it. I mean, hats off to the Jets for getting that done. Um, and then obviously the Giants for me are the other team. Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal, two guys that were potential one overall guys. Yep. Killed it. So I'm, you know, hats off go to those teams for me. And then, you know, the fall of some guys. You know what I mean? Kyle Hamilton falling to 14. Jordan Davis going as high as 13. It's just, I just love the draft because it just proves to us so often that what we think you know we're right on a few things you know what i mean we're right on that we thought the jets might go corner right we're right on that the jags were going to go d end early you know what i mean things like that but yeah we didn't know that the saints were that all in on alave you know? yeah right we right. don't know that the commanders were all the, that all in on dotson you know they traded back because they knew that dotson was their guy and they thought he would be still be there at 16 right so that's what i love about the draft is just like the Eagles. We thought they were that uh, middle linebacker was going to be need for them in the first round. They wait. They get Jordan Davis, and then they get Nicobe Dean in the third. Right? Yeah. I mean, just absolute pandemonium. It was amazing being there, and uh, yeah, that's uh, it was an amazing first round. Yeah, first round was insane. It was really fun to watch. Probably one of the craziest drafts. Probably one of the more unpredictable drafts that I think we've seen in a while. And too. people were saying that going into it, right? There was no surefire number one. Um, That's why it makes it better, though. But I think all the trades happened because this was an amazing draft, 10 through 30, 32, right? And that's why we started seeing all those trades because after the top 10, there was a bunch of guys that were really good. And Well, once you got to the Bengals pick at 31, I was like, there's a ton of really good players still. Ton of guys, a lot of good guys. You know, ton of guys I didn't think were going to be there at 31 that ended up being there. So without further ado, let's get into our draft grades. We're going to give every team their grade, some notable picks that we like, didn't like from them. Um, K-Morg is going to take the NFC. I will take the AFC. Um, and we're just going to go back and forth, going division by division. And this is we're, we're going to make some comments on it. We're going to, let, we're going to see um, how your teams did. So love us or hate us, we're going to speak honestly, try to be un, as unbiased as we possibly can. And all right, let's start. K-Morg with first division. We'll start with mine, NFC West. Okay. So I've got the NFC West. We'll start with the Niners. Um, for me, it was an okay draft. You know, I mean, obviously, like I said, we're we're all in on this uh, Trey Lance, you know, being our guy, and so we obviously didn't have a first round pick. But looking at the rest of our draft, you know, getting Jake Jackson middle end of the second round, I think that's a fantastic pick. Love you know? Jake Jackson. Some, um, local guy out of here, local out of USC as well. I think he's going to do some great things for our. our um, 
for our front seven. You know, honestly, I think he's going to be a great addition. And then I really like what we did late in the draft, getting Tariq Castro-Fields as probably one of my better picks in the sixth round out of Penn State. And then Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. What more can you like? Sweet. I got the Niners at a B- right now. B-? minus, Fair. I actually had him in the same grade. Really? Yeah, B-. minus. Awesome. B-. minus. All right, moving over to the Seahawks. Seahawks, I'm going to be honest, I think they draft terribly every single year. Um this year, I thought they did okay. They were better. I thought they had a good draft. I didn't think they had a great draft, but you know what? Charles Cross at in the first round, that's not a bad pick. Mafi in the second round, early second round, that's not a bad pick. Good pick. Kenneth Walker at running back, I don't love that pick for them. Um, I think he's good, right? but I think they have so many more needs. I think they could have got a better player there, personally. Um, Abraham Lucas, good tackle. Love Lucas. Kobe Bryant, good corner. I gave them a C+. Plus. Wow. Yeah, I was, I was a little higher on them. Um, I like Bo Melton in the seventh round. I think a lot of productivity there. That's deep. Um, you know, you're going to have to help out whoever's going to fucking play quarterback at the end of the day. Um, and then I like the Kobe Bryant and the Abraham Lucas pick. I, I think Seattle did okay. Yeah, I think it's okay. And I, uh, I actually like that they didn't take a quarterback because I think Drew Locke still gives them a season to figure it out. And they could be in the Baker Mayfield sweepstakes still. They we don't know. 100% could be. So if you don't love a quarterback, don't reach for it. You have a lot of needs on your roster. Go get those needs. Yeah. So not a bad thing by the Seahawks. Rams, again, not a team that had a lot of picks. You know, they've basically put all their eggs into the Matt Stafford basket, which is fine because they want a Super Bowl. So good for them. Um, I actually gave them a B, though. I thought they had an okay draft. I think they did a decent job. You know, obviously, I'm a little biased. I like Kyron Williams, but I actually really love the Quinton Lake and Darian Kendrick in the sixth round. I think those are two high-level players that I think were needs for them, and it's going to give them a lot of depth. So I give them actually a B. Yeah, I, don't, I just wrote who cares. Cause it's I'm kind not, of an A. I don't Yeah, who cares. That's what I, they don't care about the draft, so why should we care about what they do? We <laughs> said that last of, time. There's a lot of NAs. Yeah. Um, Cardinals. Uh... I gave him a D plus. Wow, that low, huh? I just, I don't hate Cameron Thomas at a San Diego State, and obviously I like my Jay Sanders, but I'm also banking on the fact that they gave up a first round pick for, for Marquise Brown. Yeah, I I think that needs to be talked about. Normally we don't consider trades into draft grades, but to give up a first round pick for Marquise Brown for me, I think that's that's a problem. Well, that makes a lot of sense today when we hear the news that DeAndre Hopkins is suspended for six games for PEDs. They had no. Right, and they kind of got desperate, I think, you know. But giving up a first round pick, I agree, it's just too steep for me for Hollywood Brown. But I thought they had a decent draft, you know. I, I like, I like Keontae Ingram. I think he's productive as a running back, um, especially when James Conner. We don't know, you know, he's signed big money, but he's missing a lot of games. Um, I'm a big Trey McBride guy too. I, I think he's going to be a difference maker, not really a need, you know, with Ertz, but Ertz is getting older. I think McBride can go in there and, and be productive and help Kyler out. So I thought the Cardinals did okay. Fair enough. Do you want to do one of yours now? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Who do you got? For um, We'll go to a different division. Whatever you want. Yeah. Go ahead. So we're going to go uh, AFC South. Okay. Let's go into the AFC South. Um, we'll start with the Titans. Um, and we kind of mentioned this, you know, we were just talking on air before. Um, Titans, sneaky good draft, I feel like. Um I gave, you know, uh, I like a lot of their picks. Malik Willis in the third round, potential top 10 pick. You know, got to give kudos there. He's going to be having potential to sit behind Ryan Tannehill. And if he's worth the shit, he's a, that's a huge draft for them. That's going to be an A-plus down the road. And if he's not, you only spend a third-round pick on him when they had two of them. So, what did you, you give the Titans? I give him a B. I give him a B-plus. Wow. 
I thought they had a good draft. I mean, like I said, you give up A.J. Brown, but you replace him with Traylon Burks. You know, you get a good corner. You get a good tackle. You get Malik. Hassan Haskins was a dude at Michigan, someone that no one was talking about during the draft process. And actually, Kyle Phillips out of UCLA. Uh, that's my favorite pick. He's kind of Renfro. Yeah, you know, he is. I like a Renfro complex. Yeah, Kyle Phillips. I mean, I could see the B+. Uh, the reason I gave a B, anytime you give up, you know, A.J. Brown, it's like well, Traylon Burks has to be the guy. He has to That's be the guy. It comes down. He has to be the guy. So and it needs to be a cheaper guy, version. If he is their guy, then great. Oh, it's easily yeah. easily moves up. All right, Colts. Um, Colts had interesting draft. They didn't have a first round pick. Um, obviously, I love the Alec Pierce pick. A little high for me though. A little high for me too. Um, and then you know, I actually really like Curtis Brooks. He was out of Cincinnati. Um, his measurables weren't great, but productivity was through the roof. Um, I was reading some PFF numbers on him, and he was a deep sleeper. I really wanted the Bengals to grab him, but that's a great pick. But all in all, I gave him a C plus. You know, I just didn't think they did too much. Exact same. Well, wow. kind of dialed in right now. Nice. All right, Jags. Uh, we mentioned the Trayvon Walker pick. Um, they trade back, or the, did they trade up to get the other first round, or they already had that pick? Devin Lloyd, they traded up for. Yeah, they traded up for. So they get Devin Lloyd. Um, I like the Chad Muma pick out of Wyoming, the linebacker. I think he's a good player. Other than that, you you take Trayvon Walker at number one overall. I'm just not buying it. I'm not seeing him. Give him a C. C plus. C plus. Okay. I like Devin Lloyd late. I yeah. Like that pick. That's fair. That's fair. That that well, saved them. Yeah. I mean, it, like you said, it's just kind of like a hope it works out for you guys. And yeah. if it does, fantastic. Yeah. If it doesn't, it's a C plus. Um, Texans. Texans were a team that had a ton of needs. They needed pretty much every position, as many as they could. And I'm going to be honest, kind of thought they killed it. I, I think they had a really good draft. I know people were concerned with Stingley and the injury history, but he have a chance to have a surefire number one corner for the next 10 years. And, and Kenyon Green, it was a little high for me, but, I mean, he helps your team. You know what I mean? He really helps your team. So Kenyon Green there, I thought the first two picks, like I said, solid. But then you get into it with Petrie and Mechie. I love the Mechie pick in the second round. I think he has a chance to be super productive, really good. Um, yeah, I, I like Christian Harris too. Christian Harris in the third round, uh, really productive linebacker at Alabama. I thought the Texans got a B plus, a little high maybe, but I thought I thought they did pretty well. Yeah, I'm thinking more of the B minus range. Yeah, but when I look, when I actually look at it, it's funny my. Knee-jerk reaction. I can't get over them taking Kenyon Green that high at 15. No, that was a little high for Especially me. Especially an interior lineman. He's the first one off the board. Um, th- that just seems a little rich for my liking. But when you get into it, like I said, Jalen Petrie, John Met- Mechie, Christian Harris at a, you know, Alabama. Three really good picks in a row. Good players. So I'm kind of with you. I-, I think a solid B out of them. Not bad. B minus it. Yeah, so I can go a little up and you can go a little down. Or I, I can go a little down and go a little up. Opposite. Yeah, agreed. All right, next division, K. Moore, who do we got? Got the NFC East in front of me. All right. Commanders. Interesting draft. Yeah. Um, very interesting. Um, obviously, at the top with Jahan Dotson trading back and then kind of letting their guy fall to him, that was very interesting. And then obviously taking Sam Howell in the fifth. Very, I mean, I have a high grade on Sam Howell. A lot of people don't. I think that's a great pick for them. Um, overall, I'm going to give them a C plus B minus. I think it was a it was good. Like I said, they took Jahan Dotson over Traylon Burks. 
think that he was probably the fourth receiver it. taken yeah, yeah, yeah. or fifth receiver yeah, taken. Fifth. So that's not that's not terrible. You know, I mean, I think he's kind of right in that range, and they needed to add a guy there, especially with seeing what's going to happen with McLaurin trade. So I I think they did okay. C plus B minus for me. C plus. Okay. I had a C plus with them. I actually really like the Cole Turner pick. Uh, he's a good tight end. I I mean, I, I thought he was really good. And, you know, Brian Robinson might be a stud at another Alabama running back. Mm-hmm. Eagles. Jordan Davis, a little high for my liking. You're not I a think, Jordan I Davis think, guy. I think that's very, I think that's known from you guys how I feel about Jordan Davis. Um, but then, I mean, let's be honest, Nicobe Dean in the third round. I mean, I can't, I can't deny the fact that the value there is incredible. Yeah, let's talk about that. We were all watching Nicobe Dean slip and fall, and everyone's like, what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. And then it comes out, might have refused shoulder surgery. Yeah. And teams were highly concerned with it. What's your thoughts on the fall? I don't care about any shoulder surgery. Yeah. I, I don't. Guess what? A shoulder is not a major ACL. It's not an Achilles. It's not It's not something that you should fall two rounds on, in my opinion. I mean, getting him the third round is an absolute steal. That's the steal of, a, I haven't heard a steal that high in years for me. Really? That's like saying he tore his ACL and he should get drafted in the third round right before draft day. Right. And a shoulder, it's a peck. I think he's going to recover fine. Like I said, I might be undervaluing and underestimating, but the, again, all I also heard was all the measurables. He's not very tall. He, right. He would have ran a four six. You know what I mean? But guess what? The guy's a stud. The Freak. guy's a stud, and they get him in the third round for a need for them. I gave them a B plus overall, especially considering that they just landed AJ Brown in this trade too. Yeah, if you consider AJ Brown, AJ Brown, then that helps their draft quite a bit. I gave him a C plus. Jordan Davis a little high, and then the rest of the draft was just eh to me. Um, we'll see. I mean, obviously, Nicobe Dean turns out to be who, or be as productive as he was in college. And yeah, it's gonna be a great, mm-hmm. gonna be a great draft. Giants. I mentioned earlier, Thibodeau and Neal at the top. Um, incredible value out of them. I like Wando Robinson out of Kentucky. Little high there, early second round, but still a good pick. Flaw out of LSU. I like um, Beavers in the sixth round. I love him out of Cincinnati. I know we're big Cincy guys. I gave him an A minus. Wow, that high. Yes, sir. Um, I guess I'm close with a. I had a high B, so a B plus on them. Um, they could have had an A after those first two picks. Yeah, I thought day two and day three they just did okay. Mm-hmm. Not great. I think they did okay. The Wandell pick kind of was head scratcher. Um, but yeah, obviously the Beavers guy. We like Beavers. Cowboys. Tyler Smith in the first round. Interesting. Like I said, um, again another guy that a lot of people had second round grades on him. Maybe late first round. Cowboys take him, but it's a team need. So if yeah. you need him, go for it. I'm okay with that. Uh, the rest of the tr- draft, I like Jalen Tolbert at South Alabama. Speeds are very fast. Jake Ferguson, tight end, friend obviously Wisconsin guy. Yeah, friend of the podcast. Big Blaine guy. Um, and I actually like Sam Williams at Ole Miss. He's going to be a good rusher for them off the edge, and they need it considering they just got rid of uh, – or they didn't get rid of him, but he signed with the Broncos. What's his name? Um, out of Nebraska. God, that's going to kill me. Nothing. Nothing. Damn it. Nothing either. Randy Gregory. There you go. Randy Gregory. It just took me a second. Fuck. So I gave him a C plus, Cowboys. I had a C. I didn't think they did very much. Um, Just. I like that they addressed team need, though. Yeah, we're going to get into that debate in a little bit. I'm I'm not really on that train, but I mean, we'll we'll see. We'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I just thought, C, I just thought they didn't really get that much better in this draft for me. What do you got? All right. Where are you going? We'll go my division, AFC North. Um, we're going to start with the Steelers. Um, 
obviously they took Kenny Pickett, the first quarterback taken off the board. Um, and then I thought they did okay. You know, George Pickens in the second, you know, if he turns out to be as the potential he he played with before he got hurt, then he has a chance to be really good for them. Could be their number one receiver um, really soon. And then Calvin Austin, I really liked the speedster out of Memphis, a return man, kind of like a slot guy. Um, I thought they just did they did okay. I mean, C plus for me for the Steelers. I just they didn't address the offensive line, and I thought they were thirty um, first in the NFL in pass block efficiency last year, and they took one offensive lineman. Um, actually, no offensive lineman. Sorry, in the draft. So, to me, that was uh, that was a little alarming on their on, for any Steeler fan, and Kenny Pickett. I mean, come on. Steelers were the fans were pissed about the Kenny Pickett thing. Yeah, that was they funny. were pissed. Not Which happy. I mean, I don't dislike that for them, but it's just weird because it's been back to back drafts for them where they've, you know, they took uh, Najee Harris in the first round that proved to be good, but it, you know they were legitimate team needs, but they're not like franchise changing team needs. I don't know. Kenny Pickett could be, yeah, and Najee Harris is a great running back. I really high on him, but you know. Does he impact your defense? That you know they're addressing. They have a good team. defense already, but but it's like it's the offensive line that they didn't. Well, help. my problem is like Trubisky and Pickett. Like same guy. Is he going to be better? Is he going to be worse? Like I don't know. I think we know their ceilings. Yeah, you know what I mean. So no, it's like, I agree. why draft a ceiling that is whatever there? I don't know. Interesting. Moving on to the Browns, um, they didn't pick to the third round. Obviously, the you know with the Deshaun Watson trade, um, they they didn't have a lot. So. I like the David Bell pick in the third round out of receiver out of uh, Purdue. Um, he has a chance to be their number two if they don't sign anyone else. He'll compete with Peoples Jones. Um, Perry on Winfrey, I was really high on. He slipped all the way to the fourth round at Oklahoma. Uh, defensive tackle, kind of no, nose guard, three tech, mo- mostly going to play nose. Um, but then they took a fucking kicker, the, the first kicker off the board, LSU, Cade York. Um, and then they get Jerome Ford at Cincinnati. So, you know, obviously a guy that we're really high on as well. I gave them a B minus. Browns get a B minus. Um, just a C. C. Yeah. Kind of like an NA. Yeah. You got Deshaun Watson. Congrats. Yeah, exactly. Uh, moving on, my squad, the Bengals. Obviously, Dax Hill was super high on. Didn't think he'd fall to us at 31. He does. Um, Cam Taylor Britt, you know, they f- seem to absolutely love him. A guy I didn't really project us coming to us. Uh, we took him in the second round. And then a lot of defense. That's kind of the theme of it. You know, I thought we'd address maybe tight end and receiver. Um, I believe we would have taken a tight end, but there was a run on it in the third round before we got to pick. Um, so we didn't we didn't like any of the tight ends at where we sat. But all in all, I give, I give Bengals a B. Um, I thought they address needs, but also stuck to best player available a lot of the times. Um, and they, they drafted long speedsters. You know, wingspans are through the roof and speed is through the roof. Um, and that's what Amaru likes on defense. He hasn't gotten a first-round pick since he's been at the Bengals, so he gets Dax Hill, and I think he's going to do wonders for the Bengals in their secondary. So all in all, B. I'm right there with you. Yeah. I think, I think Dax Hill pick was great. Um, Cam Taylor-Britt's a good player. Other than that, I think it was pretty average. I'll give it a B. Yeah, I thought it, I thought they did fine. I, did, I thought they did all right. We didn't have a ton of ga- gaping holes, so I'm all right with it. Uh, Ravens, um, Ravens are the national media storyline of the draft, um, and you know they they arguably got 
three of the best players at their positions. Um, you know, with Hamilton at 14 falling to them, Linderbaum at 25, and then Travis Jones, d- defensive tackle, in the third round. Um, and then you mix in Ojabo, who, you know, obviously an Achilles injury, don't know how he's going to respond to it, but was consensus top 15 pick before he got hurt. Um, you know, you mix in, you know, Daniel Filet out of Minnesota, the monster, he's like 6'9", and um, late you got Isaiah Likely, the athletic tight end at a coastal. Um, I think they get an A. They do. I don't think they addressed um, some needs. They don't really have receivers. Uh, receivers, sorry. They have Rashad Bateman and a lot of nothing else. So Mark Andrews, I know, is a is a is a threat. Um, but all in all, they had a good draft. You know, it's hard to argue with their draft and hard to argue with the players they got. You know my feelings on this draft. I think the Raiders absolutely demolished Ravens. the NFL. Yeah, what did I say? Raiders? Raiders. Yeah, Ravens. They absolutely killed this draft. So we'll talk about them more later. But I also love the Charlie Kohler pick in the fourth round. Yeah, the, I mean, they, they had a good draft. Like I said, it, um, if they, they're going to get back to I I heard a good take on the Ravens this morning is, you know, they tried to go that route with the, the air raid and throwing and getting some receivers and just kind of a swing and a miss. And they I don't they. I think they looked themselves in the mirror and realized we don't have that type of quarterback and we don't have that type of offense. So we need to get tight ends that can catch the ball. We need to have a really good defense and we need to be able to run the ball and let kind of Jackson do his thing, you know, short intermediate routes. He's not going to be able to throw the ball down the field to burners. He just That's just not his game. You know, find some guys who can catch the ball and run the ball and we'll see how it works out for him. All right, let's go to the NFC South Bucks. Pretty pretty below average grade on here. Nothing really done. And to be honest with you, I think I really think they needed to address the corner position or a safety position for the Bucks. They lost a starter at each position there. I gave them a C-. B- for me. I like the Logan Hall pick. You know, I think he addressed the need if they don't re-sign Sue. So I, I thought they did okay. They needed some interior offense lineup. I don't know if they got it. B-. I thought it was just whatever. Saints, again, trading up for Alave was nuts, and then they got Penning at 19. But beyond that, I didn't really love it. Didn't really do much else for me. I gave him a C plus. I had a B minus. I think that's a little high for me, to be honest. I was really high on Alave, though, so that yeah, makes up for it. Yeah, you are. I am. But even at 11, that's pretty high to move up. I don't know if I would have moved up for him, especially with not really having a quarterback when they don't. I mean, Jameis is coming off. This just, this just kind of tells me that they – they're good with Jameis. The Saints are an interesting team and storyline going into the season because it's like you have Jameis. They were a game out of the playoffs last year with him getting hurt. They upgraded, well, they lost their best tackle, but then they gained a tackle here. They added another receiver, so their receiving core is actually pretty solid. If Michael Thomas comes back, then yes. Solid receiving core, and then they just signed the Honey Badger. So they just replaced Marcus Williams. So really, they're only looking up. Yeah, like Saints hun- might be a decent team next year. Honey Badger signs a three-year, $33 million deal today, $18 million guaranteed. Um, that's going to replace Marcus Williams, who they lost. So, as you mentioned, yeah, it's going to – they they replaced the needs that they lost in they free did. agency. They they did. They, they did. It's just I would have liked to see them draft a quarterback. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But, then again, like I said, it's like this this draft, if you don't like a quarterback, don't waste it. Yeah, and next year, you know, they, they, they have a chance with those better quarterbacks coming out. A lot more quarterbacks next year. All right, Panthers. Uh, Iquanu, 
Great pick. Good pick. You know, fell to them at six. Well done. And then um, that's going to sure up their quarterback issues with Sam, uh, Darnold getting hurt and then also CMC getting hurt all the time. So I like that. Matt Crowell, third. You have an insurance policy if you don't like Sam Darnold. And then beyond that, I like the Cade Mays pick in the sixth round. Guy from Georgia transfers to Tennessee, plays all three interior positions. I gave him a B. I'm a little higher on their draft. Okay. Um, Matt Crowell in the third, you know, potential first round pick. Great value there. Um, Amari Barno for, out of Virginia Tech, outside linebacker, was just sitting there, sitting there. And he was best available on a lot of people's um, list going in that third round. So get him in the sixth, I'm really happy with it. Um, I think the Panthers got a B plus. Okay. Falcons, first receiver off the board with Drake London. Definitely a guy that they liked. Got their guy. Cash that ticket in Vegas. That was huge. Yep, that was huge. Um, Ritter in the third. Obviously, I think that's a great pick for them. Again, good value. Second quarterback off the board, too. Yeah. Which you love to see. I'm going to give them a B, B plus ish, right? B, in that range. B plus yeah. for me. I love the Troy Anderson pick. I've been high on him. The kid at a Montana State linebacker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pl- played was quarterback, good. was a quarterback when he got to Montana State. Played running back. Then though. they moved him to running back. Then he ends up at linebacker. Measurables off the roof. Super athletic freak. I think he's going to be a stud. Um, and Ebiketti at a Penn oh, State. Yeah, yeah. You know, they get him in the second round. Yeah, they did well. I think they had a good draft. I think they the Falcons well. had a really good draft. All right. Let's go to the AFC East. Interesting, interesting, interesting division. Um, the start of the Jets. We mentioned the Jets. Um, absolutely killed it, I believe. Absolutely killed the first round. They get our guy Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson. Um, and then they followed up with Brees they Hall. They keep the going. Second. They go Brees Hall. They go Jeremy Rucker, Max Mitchell. They dominated. They dominated. Um, I didn't give out any Fs or A pluses on this draft, but this would probably be the closest to an A plus for me. Um, I'm going to give them an A. I'm a little worried, though. With Jermaine Johnson, I don't know if I'm as high on it as everyone else is. His upside's through the roof. But he's a late first round. That was my yeah. point. Because the people had him going top 10, and I'm like, no chance. Right. Not a top 10 guy for me. But he goes to 26, I'm 100% okay with that. And then... And especially going up to get him at 26. Great move. And I think what they're going to do is they're going to they're gonna run the ball. And now he you, wants to you run pair Michael Carter with Brees Hall. Two tough, tough running backs. I, I like it. I like Brees Hall going there. I know it's going to fantasy value is going to hurt Michael Carter, but I think it takes some pressure off Zach Wilson. They have a good offensive line. Like, they already have a good offensive line. They add help in the secondary with Ahmad Gardner. The receivers, Garrett Wilson, you know, they help out with Elijah Moore on the other side. They give Corey Davis. Corey Davis. They give Zach Wilson all the tools here. And they say, okay, we have a decent pass rush with Carl Lawson on the other side who's hurt. Now we're going to add Jermaine Johnson to the pass rush. He's going to be a pass rush specialist. We already have C.J. Mosley. Jets are going to be good next year. Well, let's hold, pump the brakes on if that. If Zach Wilson's good. Not only that, but their left tackle, might not Mekhi Beckins, might not play for the Jets again, they said. I'll see. See, if he doesn't play, then that's going to be huge. Yeah, they still have uh, Vita Vera Tucker from USC inside. Like, yeah. He's really good. Like They have a good line if Beckton's healthy. Right. All right, Patriots. <laughs> the fuck are the Patriots doing? Yeah, the bad draft. I gave him a D. I gave him a D as well. Uh, Cole Strange in the first round. You know, you, you saw the videos of McVay and the Rams just laughing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we evaluated that guy at pick 109. Like, we thought he had a chance to be there. And it's just typical of Bill Belichick. And I've been on this train. Bill Belichick does not fucking draft well. And, you know, what Belichick does and why he's the GOAT is he finds cheap free agents who people see no value in. He sees value in them. 
puts them in a role to be successful and then become su- successful. But as far as first-round picks go, I don't believe, believe he does a good job, and I, it, this one proves it. Um, and then they take Bailey Zappi in the fourth? Like, you just drafted the first-round cornerback last year. Wh- why? I just I don't get it. A lot of head-scratching stuff out of uh, the Patriots in this draft, but I like the Marcus Jones pick. I think Marcus Jones is out of Houston in the corner. Has a chance to be all right, but Patriots, you get a D for me. Yeah, but I mean, like, in all, outside of the first overall pick, which I were their their first pick, which I disagree with. I think they did an okay job. They addressed the need at at, at receiver with their second round, and then they went straight to corner. They obviously lost J C Jackson, but then for me, it's like you already have two really good running backs. Then you added Pierre Strong Jr. and Kevin Harris. Like that to me is a little strange. Like well, you had two more guys. The, the two things I felt like the Patriots needed in this draft. Where were team speed at receiver and team speed at linebacker. And I don't think they addressed either of those needs. Oh, they they need to get, get faster. A, they didn't get a linebacker, yeah. They need to get faster. They really do on both sides of the ball. And they just didn't do it. I just I just don't get it. I don't get it. All right. Dolphins up next. They don't pick to the third round. <laughs> NA. Yeah, I mean, I gave him a C. I like Chang Tittle. Tindle, but... I mean, and they draft a quarterback, like... Yeah, it's a, it's an NA. Like yeah. it's a bad draft, but like so what? So what? I mean, they got Tyreek Hill. Good good job. Yeah, I guess. Um, all right, last team in that division, we have the Bills. Bills trade up, get Kyrie Elam. Um, I love that pick. You know, they they get James Cook in the second. Um, they did draft my guy Matt Ariza, um, punter out of San Diego State, who I was Stupid. high on. I don't know. They did okay. I thought I get a B. I gave him a B as well. Um, I I like the James Cook pick because I think it gives their offense an identity basically saying like we're going to be a spread offense team yeah like I don't think they're going to be like an under center ever kind of team they're just going to be like Josh Allen's our guy we're going to spread spread you guys out James Cook's going to catch the ball out of the backfield a ton and we're just going to shoot and gun you know yeah get it done so I like that but it gives them a lot of support in the secondary with Kyrie Rillam especially when we don't know what's going to happen with Tredavious coming back and then also is he going to resign you know it gives them just definitely that flexibility there yep all right, moving on. Last NFC division we have. Oh, it's me. NFC North. The North Vikings. Give the Vikings a C. Um, I don't love the Lewis scene pick in the first round. You know, I think where they were at in the first round before trading back, if you wanted the best safety, you could have had him. You yeah. could have had Kyle Hamilton there. If that's what you wanted, you could have had him. And to go back and get Lewis scene, who I had as maybe the fourth safety, I didn't like the pick. Yeah, I was a little head-scratching on the scene pick, but for them to get Andrew Booth in the second, who I thought was going to be in the 20s, I get it, the injury concern, but he's a top 25 talent, so I, I like that pick out of them. I gave them a B-. minus. Right there. Let me see what I got next. Uh, Packers. I went back and forth on this one because I'm like, I hate their first pick and Quay Walker. Packer guys like it. But I hate it. I don't hate it. I like Devontae Wyatt. I like that pick. And then I like the Christian Watson pick. They trade up and get their receiver. So I like that. So all in all, you know, I, I look at it. I ended up giving them a B minus. I actually gave them the same exact thing. Yeah. And I was really high on them because I think what the Packers did a good job at and they continue to do a good job at year in, year out, they don't draft for the now. They draft for the future. They've always done it. And that's why they've been so successful year in and year out, I believe. Obviously, they have Aaron Rodgers, but they always have a top-ten offensive line. You know, the last three or four years, they've had a top-ten defense. 
And I know people are going to, you know, question some of these picks, but a receiver didn't fall to him with the value they, they saw in the first round. So what they do, they go bolster that top 10 defense. Now it might be a top five defense. And that's going to help a lot. You know, I think they're going to run the ball more. I'm not off of this draft. I think the Packers did a good job. They made their team better. You know, and it, a B minus. Yeah, I, I thought they did. You know, but people are really tough on them. You know, for not taking one mm-hmm. of those top receivers or trading up for it. But mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. Lions, Aiden Hutchinson at two, steal. Considering yeah. Jameson Williams at 11 or at 12, you know, you can argue that pick there, but it was definitely a huge need for them. Right. Josh Pascal in the second round, I love that pick. Malcolm Rodriguez in the sixth, you know sure I love guy. that pick. Sure guy. They they drafted my two day three guys that I said I liked. Malcolm Rodriguez and Chase Lucas. I give the Lions an A. B plus for me. I'm right there with you. Um, I love the Kirby Joseph pick, safety at Illinois. Um, I, I actually locked him for the Bengals on a day two. Um, and then you said you mentioned the other guys. I'm yeah, they solid draft. They made their team much better. And they you know what they did too as well? They didn't rush to the team needs. They, they, they might need a quarterback, but you know they didn't like who they who was on the board or who's in this year's class. They sat back and they took what they felt was the best available to help their team. I think they got a lot better. I agree. I, I like the Lions now. Yeah. I'm down. Hard Knocks is going to be sick. Oh, I'm yeah, that's right. The, the Hard Knocks. Yeah. They fire me up. Like I'm going to be all over the Lions this year. Bite kneecaps, baby. Hell, yeah. Uh, Bears. Interesting draft for me. I gave them a B. I think they got better. I think they helped their secondary a ton. I was really big on Jaquan Brisker. I gave him a B. I thought it was a solid draft, actually. I actually had them at an A minus. Oh, I really? moved them down to a B plus. Okay. Yeah. Um, with the fact that they didn't help Justin Fields that much. Other than that, they bolstered that defense. Yeah, I thought they got better. Yeah. Really. Kyler Gordon in the second with Brisker. Yeah. Really good. Really, uh, yeah, I'm really on that. I mean, they did get uh, Jones Jr., the receiver out of Tennessee. Um, but I don't think they did enough to help Fields. And they drafted a punter. <laughs> don't draft fucking punters, guys. All right, last, last of the divisions, last of the grades, and it's the AFC West. You know, and this is a division that has got significantly better this offseason, and it didn't stop with the draft. Um, I thought teams got a lot better. Um, let's start with the Raiders. Raiders obviously don't have a first, second round pick with um, Adams going there, but Dylan Farm in the third is a good pick. I like him, the guard out of Memphis. I think he did. A, he's a good player. Um, I don't like the Zamir White pick. One one pick ahead of Spiller to the Chargers, or two picks ahead. I just think Spiller's much better than Zamir White. Um, and the productivity, you know, he proved he can be an everyday on back. Um, Zamir White's okay. He is. I just don't know how productive he'll be in the NFL. I think Zamir White's good, and I think it makes a lot of sense considering what we saw. There, Zamir White fits the Raiders more than I think Spiller would fit the Raiders. That's fair. Like, their style of play, they're definitely a smash-mouth team. They run down their physical. I think... Uh, Spiller will catch the ball a lot more at the Raiders than he would here. And I think it makes sense with the Josh Jacobs move. I don't I don't know if they don't want to overpay him or what it is, but they declined his fifth, fifth round. Fifth year option. Fifth year option. So I think that's a replacement pick for him right there. They also so. draft another running back, but all in all, I thought they had a B. I thought it was yeah, C. Yeah. Whatever. I, all in all is okay. They got Devontae Adams. Yeah, Devontae Adams. Great. Uh Chargers. Chargers seem to be that team the last few years going into this draft that just somehow a really good player falls to them. You know, you see the Derwin Jameses, the Rashawn Slaters, um, even the Herberts went fifth, you know. Um, I thought that a solid draft. I thought it was okay. You know, I don't think it's as good as maybe some people made it out to be. Um, I love the Zion Johnson pick in the first round. Um, I was really high on him. It fits a need for them, so I'm okay with it. I obviously love Isaiah Spiller. 
he's been my guy for the last year or so. Um, I, I'm okay with it. Uh, Ogmanani, Minania, I think that's how you say it, at UCLA, D-tackle. Uh, really high on him as well. So B-plus for me for the Chargers. B-minus for me. Okay. Not a, not a bad draft, not a great draft. I like the picks. But they drafted a fucking fullback. That that gets you up a little bit. They got to have to go up in my rankings a little bit when you draft a fucking fullback. I, I bet they use him 0% this year. Just toughness. Team toughness. No. All right, Chiefs. Um, I thought the tra- the Chiefs killed this draft. Um, they move up into the to uh, pick 21 to get Trent McDuffie, Cornette of Washington. I thought he slid a little bit. I thought he had a chance to be a top 15 pick. Uh, McDuffie goes 21. Um to the Chiefs. I love that pick. Um, and then Karloftis goes all the way at pick 30. He was a guy, potential top 10 pick that we heard a lot about. And when I saw him on the board, I was like, please follow 31 to the Bengals. Um, but he goes 30 to the Chiefs. I think that's great value there. And then they get the receiver help with Sky Moore. The guy absolutely burns. Um, he's a blazer. I think he's going to be a good, good, good receiver in that system. Um, and then Brian Cook. Guy from Cincinnati, safety. So I, I thought they did a really good job. I gave him an A minus. I gave him an A. I think getting McDuffie at twenty one was a steal. I love Karloff just at thirty. Brian Cook. I think he can replace. Uh, he can be that kind of that nickel roaming safety inside the box guy that they've had. That what was his name that I hate. Who's that safety for the Chiefs that I hate? Well, Honey Badger. Who you no, love. I love Honey Badger. It's the other guy that I can't stand. Sorensen. Sorensen. Oh. I think he can replace him. I think they can be a lot better with that. I, I think they killed it. I actually gave them a A. Yeah, um, not far off. They had a good draft. Uh, the Broncos. Uh, Broncos had a solid draft to me. You know, obviously the first round pick was Russell Wilson, um, but Nick Benito in the second is going to be good a playmaker. Pick. He's a good pick. Um, I'm. I thought the best tight end in this class was Dolchich, um, the tight end out of UCLA. They get him in the third round. Um, I thought they had a, a solid draft. I gave him a B. Same. I gave him a B. Yeah. Thought they did well. All right. All right. So that's all of our teams. That's all of our grades. Um, let's get into now who we thought were the best. Top three drafts. Actually, before we move on, were you watching the second round at all? Or were you a little bit. in a game? Yeah. Did you see when the Vikings took Ed Ingram out of LSU and uh, it was your boy Lewis Riddick arguing with Mel Kuyper on him? No, I didn't see that. So the funniest thing is, so Mel Kuyper's like, you know, I don't love the pick here. You know, I think he lacks fundamentals. I don't think his hands are very good. You know, going down the list, right? I just think he, I think he's good. I don't think he's great. You know what I mean? I don't think he's second round pick. Lewis sort of goes, I actually think he's plus in all those categories. I think he's got great fundamentals. I think he's got great hands, all this stuff. And Mel Kiper goes, well, why the fuck wasn't he a first round pick then? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, literally like, if he's so good, why isn't he a first rounder I love, then? I love that It shit. was so funny, dude. It kind of fired me up. How shiny was Booger McFarland's head when we saw it? Oh, it was, it was glistening. Glistening. It was so shiny. Yeah. All right. All right, sorry. Go, in, go into your uh, top three. Top three. Um... Coming at number number three, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. I'm gonna go with the Chiefs at three. Um, we just mentioned all all the reasons why. Um, I thought they addressed all the needs they needed to do and got top players at those needs. So I'm gonna do the Chiefs at three. At yeah. two or okay, go ahead. Yeah, at two, I'm gonna go with uh, the Ravens. The Ravens got like said potential three of the best players at their position in this draft. Um, I hate to say it, but I think the Ravens got. Got better in those in those places. Um, do I think they have a guy to guard Jamar Chase still? No. Are they a better team than they were before the draft? Yes. You're so scared uh, of the Ravens. Not scared. You're at so all. scared of the Ravens. I love it. Do you, you want me to pull up the scores from last year? You're when, so scared. Not scared. Not <laughs> one bit scared. You're terrified. Um, and then the best draft, I'm going to have to go with the Jets. The Jets have three really high first-round picks. 
Um, and they killed it. They addressed team needs. They helped their team out where they need to do. I think the Jets got much better um, with those three first-round picks, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I'm right there with you. I think uh, my order's similar. I think the Ravens had the best draft, in my opinion. Getting Kyle Hamilton at that 14 to me is an absolute steal. I think he's going to be a pro bowler. Call me biased, call you what you want, but I don't. I don't think tape lies. I think he's an absolute stud. I love the Linderbaum pick. You got. I mean, to be honest with you, you got four players that all arguably were first round picks. Right. Like to me, that screams steal. That screams value. That ski, that ste- that just screams like kind of what you said with the Packers. This is planning for the future. I think that's what the Ravens did in this draft. I think they did a great job. And to be fair, they do a good job in the draft. They do you know, historically. They really do. Like I, I'm just impressed, kind of overall, and like, kind of like you said, I think uh, the Ravens are just kind of going to get back to that where they were when they were the first place team in the AFC a few Whoa. years back. I'm not saying they're going to be. I think they're oh. getting back to that kind of style in that place. All right. Just wait till Dobbins is healthy. Oh God, shut the fuck. Don't get me started. The and the other three, like I have, they're kind of swimming all in that too. I, I think the Lions did a great job. I love the Jets. I'd probably put the Jets at two, and then I put like Lions Chiefs right there at three four. I think I think it was a great draft by those teams. I think they got a lot better, and uh, I'm excited. Sad yep. that it's over, but I'm excited for to see how these teams play out. All right, let's go to the other side of it. Three worst drafts. Who are the three worst drafts that you had? Uh, who did I give the worst? I don't even know. Who was yours? Um, the I gave, Patriots. I gave the Patriots a D. I think that's probably my worst grade here. The There's pa- a, just a lot of NAs. Yeah, the Patriots were mine just because they didn't address any need and they didn't get any really good players, I feel like. Um, they took the first-round pick with the third-round grade. Um, I thought – I don't like the Cowboys draft. I don't. I, I think they reached um, to go for team needs rather than positional value. Um, so I'm not on the Cowboys draft. And then, I mean, you could say – the Rams, but they got a couple guys that the could Rams be valuable. Okay, yeah. Like, but I would say the Dolphins. The Dolphins yeah. would be the last one. They didn't get much better. They didn't the get draft. much better, no. I'll give you that. I didn't get that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like draft grades are fucking stupid to do it right after the draft. I thought the Cardinals sucked, too. Yeah. I don't know. If, <laughs> I, I, don't, I wasn't that low on them. But, um, I mean, it's better to do draft grades three years down the road. We look back and see, you know, who had the best draft. It's tough to say now, but it is what it is. Um, so those are our draft grades, top top three drafts, bottom three drafts. Um, I do want to get into I know we've talked about it a little bit, but drafting for team needs as opposed to drafting best players available. And I know people have different strategies and theories on it. I think continually if you draft the best players Obviously, the best players that fit the team needs, that's a bonus, right? But if you draft the best players over team needs, you're going to be more successful. And I think the teams that have been doing that have proven that that's true. You know, you look at the Packers. You look at the Ravens. You look at, you know, the Bengals have drafted well the last few years. You look at some of these other teams that have drafted well. It's because they take the best players at the positions that, yeah, they kind of need, but it's not necessarily a glitching hole, and they figure out the rest later. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like what I always say is you use the draft to build for the future, get the best, get the best available, and you address team needs in offseason at free agency. Like right. I said, I do think there's a time and place to it to address team needs. Like, for example, like I think the Bills thought, you know what, we need to help our secondary. I'm going to go get that corner. And they love Kyrie Lum. And Kyrie yeah, Lum was I like that a value pick. pick. I do. I do. And, you know, like you said, if you can find that balance of, Best player available that also fits your team need, 
Now you're killing it. Mm-hmm. Now you're and, killing it. Yeah, and I think, I just think like for example like, the Jets and Giants top ten picks they get a team need well. They, I think they went best available at corner right there for Sauce Gardner, who they thought was best available. And they went team need slash best available for them with Garrett Wilson. Yeah, same with you know? the Giants. You know, they needed help in the trenches. They get Kayvon Thibodeau and then Evan Neal. You know, those mm-hmm. maybe the top of their draft board at each position. Yeah. Um, it's just interesting to see where these teams rank these players as well. That's what I love about it. Like yeah. I said earlier, it's like how they value them. Who knew that the Saints thought Alave was that good? That's, that they were going to awesome. go right after Garrett Wilson, which was sick because Ohio State had. Garrett Wilson went 10, Olave they went 11, and Williams that Jameson went 12. Williams. They had them all at one point. Can the, Nuts. So how State allowed to claim Jameson Williams? No, they're not claiming him. I know, but I'm saying. But I'm like, saying he went there. I know. But are you saying for like wide receiver U? Yeah. It's a tough, it's a tough because you got. But Bama's also Bama's in Bama's also wide receiver U. Yeah. They I mean, are shit, wide receiver just really. recently. But. But Ohio State's also wide receiver. You, I mean, it's tough. How about the receivers breaking the NFL, the, the draft record for most receivers taken the NFL draft? Just in a draft period. In a draft period. Yeah, nuts. Georgia's defense broke the record from one one team, or not defense, just five on the defense in the first round, I think. But I think fifteen players drafted. Period in the draft it was unbelievable. A nuts. Well, we have, we didn't really talk about the quarters quarterbacks too much, which yeah. is interesting because I think Willis. they were so, so underwhelming, but. The fact that only one goes in the first round and then Malik Willis goes all the way to the third. You know what's funny is we've been underwhelmed on quarterback classes before, but teams still reach on them because yes. there's such a big need. Mm-hmm. This was the first draft that comes to mind where teams didn't jump just because they had a need at quarterback. Yeah, And you need a quarterback, don't get me wrong. You're not going to win anything without a quarterback. Mm-hmm. We all know that. But they let the players fall to where they valued them, and which was crazy. Which was crazy. One in the first round, that's absolutely insane. Um, I just thought, yeah, th- this draft shows me that how much teams value receivers now. But but at the same time, well, yes, they definitely did value receivers. Like I said, you're, you're trading up in, what, five went in the first 16 picks. Unreal. That's a lot. That's more than any other position. Well, maybe DN was probably right there, but still, that's a ton. But the quarterback position, if you look at each team, they're – and it you, pro, you we can prove this with Baker not getting traded yet or Jimmy getting traded was that teams feel pretty okay with their quarterback situation this year also like there aren't teams that are like desperate right now with their situation I think it's more of they didn't like the class and they are desperate I think it's both but like you don't have a team like I mean look I mean only the Steelers took a first round quarterback but like who else is like really like really worried about their quarterback situation I think now? Seattle's con- extremely worried I think but Drew Locke's not terrible but if there was better quarterbacks in this class, they're drafting a quarterback at nine or moving up to get them in the top five. Same thing with Carolina. Carolina would have for sure drafted a quarterback at six if they thought one was of value there. Fair. I think the Giants would have with one of their picks if they saw one Giants. there. There's I definitely thought the a talent t- was so bad in the quarterback class this year. I wouldn't say so did. bad, but I definitely think they're they're looking forward to the next year's class. Oh, 100%. I think they're all thinking like we can, we can afford to like see what happens with our quarterback situation this year and jump next year. All those fucking teams are going to win like all five games this year. They're all gonna like be like shitty, but not like super shitty. Yeah, that's this is how they are. Like yeah. that's what I'm saying is like they're all not terrible quarterbacks. That's the funny part. Like Drew Locke's okay. He's not god awful. You know he's what I mean? He's pretty bad. He's but, like, fucking terrible. Trubisky's okay. He's not god awful. He's terrible. Like they're not terrible. Sam Darnold's terrible. terrible. Sam Darnold's Matt- gonna win comeback player of the year. Daniel Jones is fucking terrible. <laughs> Daniel Jones, like those guys. But Daniel Jones is okay. Jalen Hurts might be fucking terrible. We don't know. He yet. might be, but he has he has the team now. 
That's the thing. We yeah. We can talk a lot about of it. Pressure. I heard something that said the Eagles are for sure the best team in that division now. On paper, if besides Jalen quarterback, the rest of that roster is better than anyone else in that division. Well, look how people talk about the AFC West. AFC West is so good. AFC East is kind of a bloodbath. AFC East or yeah, NFC East. AFC East. Bills, yeah. Bills, Patriots, Dolphins. I don't think the Patriots are in that mix. And Jets. And if, uh, the and Jets if Zach Wilson's good, yet. if those quarterbacks are good, those teams are really good. Yeah, but they're not even close to Buffalo right now. I don't think that's a bloodbath. I, I think it's going to be a really I don't think, it's I think that might be the most interesting division. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because you could you could have, honestly, like the Dolphins could literally win 13 games this year. I don't see that. No, they fuck. could. No. They could. I mean, just because of Tyreek? Like all that because New of Tyreek? Coach. New team? No, I'm not on that. I'm not on them. New left that tackle. They'll be better, they but 13 great, games. They have better. a great secondary. No, I'm not on. I think the AFC West is just a bloodbath. The Jets just completely revamped their they, team. They, they did better. Don't get me wrong. But is Zach the Wilson Patriots the guy? Still we don't the, know. Play, Patriots still went to the playoffs. Yeah, but they're not going back. I don't think they're going back. Mac Jones is terrible. He is not terrible. Okay, Mac he's not Jones. Terrible. He's just he's a I don't good know. NFL quarterback. He's okay. He's like middle of the pack at best. Good NFL quarterback, middle of the pack. Here's what I'll say, and I know you're going to call me fucking biased. And yes, I like, will. But and emotional. I think the Bengals influenced this draft heavy, just because the receiver. One, two points. One, the receiver. Other yeah. teams saw you have a fucking surefire dude at receiver. It changes your team, right? And not only changes your team, but the Bengals went to the Super Bowl after picking five last year, right? Other teams have hope, right? Mm-hmm. I think it gave the other teams that have been at the bottom, like, we have a good draft. We can do it. Sure. Right? And I don't think it's that easy. Like, the Bengals, you know, they got hot at the right time, and they were good, don't get me wrong. But, you know, we also had fucking Joe Burrow and T. Higg- like, it took multiple years of good picks. Of course. And I just think it changed how teams view, one, they're not far, as far away as maybe they believe they are. They can get good quick, and two, you got to have that receiver. All I'm gonna say is, everything you said is so wrong. <laughs> everything you said is so biased and How? just overblown. You don't it's think just unbelievable? You don't think the Bengals affected the way teams think? Cody, two years ago, the Niners won like two games, drafted Nick Bosa, and then they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but here's the difference. <laughs> no, thing no, happened it's not, four years ago. But it's not the it's How? Not, because we did it, the exact same thing that, without a receiver. But why were the Niners shitty that year? Because we didn't have a quarterback. No, because you guys got he got fucking hurt. You had injuries. That's why you guys were shitty. Not because you didn't Garoppolo, have talent on your Garoppolo roster. Garoppolo came in halfway through the season and didn't play. Remember, that was the whole trade year. And then they picked second the next year. And then we picked a second, got Nick Bosa, and then we were unreal. Yeah, but you guys were still and talented. And we got Debo. You guys were still talented. I mean, it's We were okay in areas. But the Bengals proved, like, you have playmakers. Like, you can turn this shit around quick. I, I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna give you and the Bengals credit for like reinventing the I'm NFL not drafting that. No, landscape. I, but I just think no. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I think I think it affected like teams thinking we can get good. You're saying the Bengals just gave everyone hope. Yeah, the Bengals gave everyone hope, huh? Yeah, I think they that, look at the Bengals and they say, "Wow, we, we could be the Bengals." They, I think the Bengals turned the NFL upside down. Everyone fucking does this. This happens all the time. Not this year. This year was different than any other year we've ever seen the oh, NFL free fuck. agency. It's and cool the to be a Bengal fan all of a sudden. So now they're on. Yeah, you the keep fucking saying again. that. It is fucking cool to be a Bengals fan. Everyone's grittying all over the fucking place in <laughs> Vegas, and it's like, oh, uh, here we go. Everyone's on the bandwagon now. Hey. Who day? That's right, baby. Oh, fuck. We're here to stay, too. So, All right, that's our draft recap and draft grades. 
<laughs> stay tuned for the rest of the offseason. We got a few more months till we're back in the, the thick of things. But um, let us know your team grades and what you thought of the draft. Uh, comment, like, subscribe on Instagram. All right, back for the second half of Total Generates podcast. We are on our UFC game. I know it's been a while since we broke down some UFC, um, but big card this weekend. We just got back from Vegas for the NFL draft. Funny enough, we see some UFC fighters hanging out oh, yeah. with us. Yeah. Um, Wait, I wouldn't say hanging out with us. No, they're hanging out with us. <laughs> okay. We were breaking bread. Yeah. Aljamain Sterling, we're hanging out the whole night. Yeah, so we're walking up to Beer Park above uh, Paris, and we're about to watch some finish the draft round one, finish it up, and then we see RG3, we see David Pollock. And then as we're walking in, Aljamain Sterling is walking our way right now. And I'm like, I'm trying to get Cody. I'm like, Cody, this is fucking Aljamain Sterling. I don't think you noticed it right away. I didn't, I didn't even notice him. Looked yeah. like just a normal guy. So I stopped him. I just like gave him a little fist bump. I said like, hey, good shit. I try. you did do that. Even though I fucking hate him. I know. He's a punk ass. And you bet against him. You faded his I ass always, every time. I don't every time, but I faded him against Jan the last two times. He fucking lost me so much money. I wanted to tell him that, but he he was also pretty small. He was small. I mean, he was definitely... I mean, he's obviously fights at 135. Right. But Which is crazy, but I know recently he's been posting on his Instagram saying that he is like 170 right now. He did not look 170. No, he... he I, yeah, he he's... Uh, but 170, that's, I mean, that's pretty lean. Right. I mean, given his height and everything. So, I mean, obviously he cuts that down. But, yeah, obviously, I mean, that's the Bantamweight champ right now. Pretty cool to see. It was really cool to see. Yeah. But, so that was cool. I was, like, fucking around with my buddy because we were watching the fight together. I said, other than him taking people's backs, he's a fucking bitch. <laughs> like, I'll box his ears in. Yon will box his ears in any day of the week. But I would have loved if he would have, like, popped off to him and he just fucked you up in the head. <laughs> just guy that's, like, 5'6", just beating the shit out of me. Yeah, and then <laughs> then we're sitting down. Yeah, and then you can well his training partner. He was with his tra- his buddy uh, Marab Divashvili, who's like number five right now, bantamweight. So bet on him another quite a bit dude. Too. I bet on him all the time. Yeah, just a straight wrestler, Georgian. So cool to see them. Obviously, we're big fans of the game, but fuck Aljamain Sterling. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, cool. But getting into the card, obviously a huge pay per view. UFC two seventy four coming up, Fight Night, Oliveira Gaethje. And I'll be honest, I am very excited for this main event. Like, I'm excited for the whole card, but, like, this main event is... There's something about an Oliveira fight and even a Gaethje fight that, like, I get up for. And I used to not get up for Gaethje at all, but I'm getting up for it. You know why I'm fired up on it? Because hmm. it's two sides of the spectrum for me. Yeah. Because I love Oliveira. Mm-hmm. Like, Charles Oliveira is my fucking dude. Yeah. Like, I've been rocking with him for, like, a year and you've been half. hating Gaethje Not a Gaethje while. guy. Yeah. Like, I want him to fucking destroy Gaethje. Yeah, we'll get into kind of my take on Gaethje because it has changed a little bit. What's very interesting about this card, and we'll talk about it more as we dive in, but I think this card is one of the more like, not mismatch, but just opposing styles. If we go up and down the card, which we'll do later, but you have so many opposing styles in this in throughout this card that I think is going to make this a lot of these fights very interesting. Yeah, good point. So let's get into it. Um, first off, off the bat, we're just going to go off our, our fight of the nights. Right off the bat, I really love Brandon Royval on Matt Schnell. I think this is two of the best flyweights in the division. I think Royval is probably the number two or three guy right now. Schnell is right in that top five. Um, I love Royval. He's coming off a big win against Bonturin. He's a guy that is all chaos. All chaos all the time. Either it's a knockout or submission. It's a guy that's knocked out Kai Kara France, who's potentially going to be fighting for the title soon, right? Right. So he's obviously very dynamic. He's crazy with his striking. And then on the opposing side, you have Matt Schnell, who's all technical. All technique. He's a crisp boxer. Hands are tight. He's a good grappler, good wrestler. Two opposing styles. I think this is going to make for a lot of chaos in this fight. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, that 
like you said, anytime you want violence in a fight, and that's where you're going to get in this one. So who's going to be more dominant? Yeah, I think I think Royval is the guy. I think he's going to find the chin of Chanel. We've seen Chanel have chin issues in the past, but it's interesting because if Chanel can get Royval on his back and just kind of just win minutes on top, I think he can get it done that way. But otherwise, I think Royval is going ha- to piece him up on the feet. I think that'll be very interesting. Yeah, my fight of the night, um, Randy Brown and Chaos Williams. That's my other one. Love it. Love it. Um, Randy Brown's an underrated guy. I know he comes in as a slight underdog in this fight. Which is crazy to me. I love it. Won four of his last five fights. Who's his loss against? Vicente Luque. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We can't bring up Luque right now. It still hurts. It still hurts. We were driving to Vegas, side story. (laughs) And we're in the middle of the desert. And out of nowhere, Kevin just goes, you know what still hurts me? I'm like, what, dude? Like, we're not even talking about anything. He's like... Vicente Luque losing, like dude, it still gets me. It fucking gets me, man. Like, it's it's one of the, like I said, like he's not like my favorite 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 guy, but he kind of is. <laughs> like, it hurts me that he lost, man. Like I was had so much stock in him and just how good of a fighter he is and everything, and he just really disappointed me. But besides the fact, Randy Brown's only loss in the last five fights is to Vicente Luque. The guy has been on a heater. Yeah, he has, and. You know, I'm I'm being a big Chaos Williams guy. I mean, you want a guy who's going to put on a show like he's going to go out there and try to rip your head off. Mm-hmm. So again, differing styles here. Yeah, Randy Brown is all skill. He's skill. He's technique. He's a good boxer. He's a good kickboxer. He's got good wrestling. He's got good jujitsu. And on the other side, it's Chaos Williams, who's just power. Yeah, pure power. Like you want to talk about a guy that's only route to win in this fight is by knockout. That's Chaos Williams. Now the question is. Can he do it? And can he touch that chin of Randy Brown? I personally think Randy Brown's going to get it done here. I don't think Chaos Williams dynamic enough. I, I like Randy Brown here, especially as a dog. So do you like him via sub for some more value? Or do you like him decision? That's a good point because no Chaos really hasn't faced a guy that I think has the jujitsu level that I think uh, Randy Brown has and he's going to get him down. So I don't trust it. I I'm fine with just taking him at straight money because I could see Randy Brown knock him out, ground and pound him to the ground. Yeah, that's a good and point, see, especially if Chaos gets the, card, out. the cardio edge is definitely yeah. going to be on Randy Brown's side. I just like the skill level on his side, especially at dog money. Give me Randy Brown. But I think that's going to be a phenomenal fight because at every moment of that fight, you're going to be like, fuck, is Chaos going to land this bomb? Is Chaos going to land this bomb? Because Randy Brown's last two losses, knockout to Vicente Luque, knockout to Nico Price. So again, it was a hammer fist from the ground by Nico Price. That was a fluke, but still. See, I, I think you take this fight either... Yeah, you take Randy Brown straight up because you could knock him out, you said, by just per volume of punches. Mm-hmm. Um, or you take Chaos Williams by knockout. I yeah. think you know. I think those are the two bets you take in this fight. But um, this is my fight of the night. Yeah, I think this is fantastic. I think this might be the prelim headliner. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that should be a great fight. But let's get into the main card. You have five-fight card. Uh, we won't go over the Shogun OSP fight. Just s- some two veteran guys. You know, Shogun's obviously a legend of the sport. but Collecting a paycheck. Yeah, we're just gonna kind of move on from that. I don't, I don't even want to see either of those guys go down. I don't really love OSP either, though, to be honest with you. So, but getting into Cerrone and Lozon, uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, obviously a fan favorite, podcast favorite. He's someone that I've always enjoyed watching. Um, again, kind of toward the end of his career here, fighting a guy also in Joe Lozon, kind of same thing. Toward the end of their career, guys, both of the guys, both these guys are in the top three of wins, top three in performance bonuses, top three in perf- um, just performances in the UFC. Um, Cerrone's a 175 favorite. I think to me this fight just screams who has more left in the tank. Yeah. Who's got the tread on the tires? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, both these guys are definitely on the back nine of their careers. Yeah, Cerrone's a legend, Hall of Famer probably. Mm-hmm. Um, f- 
fuck. I mean, it's hard to go against Cerrone because he's such a fan favorite, but the guy hasn't won a fight in. Yeah, a, and, and to Lozon's credit, the funny part is his last performance, he beat uh, JSP, Jonathan Pierce, and he looked pretty good. He knocked him out in the first round. So but he just lost to Clay Guida, like right before. <laughs> yeah, like, he hey, was a fucking Clay Guida. Then. Clay Guida looks great. <laughs> he's like forty years old. He's I know, but he's doing it. He's doing the damn thing. So he's I mean, Cowboy just. I don't know why. I don't know why, but just give me Cowboy I like it. Well, I just think, yeah, I mean, they're fighting it. I don't know, they are fighting it lightweight. So Cowboy's obviously fluctuated 170, 155. Lozon's right. been at 55 his whole career. Um, yeah, Cowboy, oof, man. Last five fights, he's yeah. 0 4 and 1. Yes. Damn, that hurts. That, that does hurts. not look pretty to look yeah. at. So, I mean, you look at it that way, and he's saying he's a 175 favorite. Do you trust him at that money? No. Oh, hell no. Staying away? I think you fight. Um, you know, based on some other bets we've been kind of listening to on some other UFC panels we've, you know, kind of did some research on, I like it to go the distance. Really? To bet it to go the distance. Both I think, guys are tough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think they're going to put on a good show. I don't know. I might get... So, there's no prop lines out yet. We're recording this on Monday, so we're very early. Let's yeah. see what... So, it's two and a half... Over oh, is like, plus 140. I like the over. I would take the over in this fight. It's, I think this fight's going to be like, have like sneaky fight of the night kind of potential. Man, I almost I almost want to take Cerrone by knockout. Wow. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I just think Cerrone's got a little more dynamic striking game. Lo- Lozon's great on the ground. He's definitely kind of that jujitsu guy. He can definitely wrestle. But I think Cerrone, I don't think he has the chin to take Cerrone's punches I actually right really like the over in this fight. Okay. I like the over. Agree or disagree? I like it. All right, coming up into the bigger cards, we have number five ranked Michael Chandler as a minus 140 favorite going against a number seven, Tony Ferguson at plus 320. Would you ever think in your lifetime you would see Tony Ferguson as a underdog at plus 300 more? I mean, that's a kind of a loaded question because all fighters get to this point, right? Yeah. If they decide to hang on this long, they get to this point where they just don't have it anymore. So, there's only like three fighters I think that have had as long of a win streak as Tony Ferguson had at one point in the UFC. It was stupid. John Jones, I think he had, it was twelve, but it was John Jones, uh, George St. Pierre, and I want to say Anderson Silva was there. I'm not sure, but those are goats. Like those are legends, and Usman's right there. He's almost on his way. But I mean, we forget it wasn't very long ago. We thought Tony Ferguson was going to beat Habib Nurmagomedov. No, we did, and. My theory, this is my theory on UFC fighters, like the elites. The elites of the elites. Everyone gets one, right? You get bobbled. You get knocked out. It happens. You get caught. If you lose back-to-back fights, to me, you're done. And not done like your career's over, but as being an elite. Being elite, yeah. Like, it's over for you. Like, you don't have a chance. And I've been saying that when Ferguson lost to Oliveira, it was like... Well, that was his second because he lost to Gaethje first. Yes, yeah, so that's that, what I mean. The second, second loss one, to you was... The second loss... That loss was like it smoked. This is it. Like, I, it, And then... But then Darius beats him. But think about this way. Tony Ferguson's losses. Gaethje fighting for the title right now. Yeah. Oliveira fighting for, is the champion fighting for the title. Darius, number two ranked guy right now. These are elite, 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 But elite. it's not like he put up big, a good fight in those fights. He got fucking dominated <laughs> in all three of those fights. <laughs> hey, he won like a round against Gaethje. He got fucking dominated <laughs> in that fight. Ferguson's done. It breaks my heart because I love the guy. He's a weirdo, but he was such a legend of the sport. And I don't think Chandler's great. Like Chandler's okay. He's a solid. He's a solid guy. I mean, but 
I just don't think Ferguson has anything left. Yeah. For me in this fight... I won't bet this fight, though. I won't bet it. Yeah. So that's something we'll talk about in a minute. But in this fight, I think when I break it down and I think Tony Ferguson, you know, four years ago, I think could beat Michael Chandler pretty pretty easily. Oh, walk right through him. My problem with Tony Ferguson since we've seen him is, you know, before that Gaethje fight, we forget how long his layoff was because of that. He like completely blew out his knee. Bad. Like really bad. And since then, we have not seen the explosiveness explosiveness or the strength well he's also 38 years old he's old he's old like at some point these guys are just they lose it and especially in the fight world like if you're not tip-top shape the ufc so competitive now it's not hard to get overthrown well i think that's what we forget about is we make such a big deal about acl tears and achilles tears in the in the nfl like these guys are done and a lot of times they are but we forget like we think that ufc fighters when they tear their acl like oh it's gonna be fine like oh it's you know, it's just a fighting game. But Tony no. Ferguson's example, like, he has not been the same guy. No. Like, he, I think that's very clear from the last fights we've seen. Yeah, he just, I mean, I am not hate to beat a dead horse, but he's just, he's lost it. You know, he's just, you know, the injury and father time. I think it's just taking its toll. And I think Chandler still has a lot of a lot left in the tank. I mean, I'm not going to take it, like I said. But um, if I were to bet on it, I would say Chandler by decision. Um, I don't think he knocks out Tony. Um, I think Tony has enough pride and coming off a three-fight losing streak to not do that. I just don't think he has enough to win the fight. Oh, yeah. Give me over one and a half minus 140. Oh, yeah. I might do that now. I mean, like, like kind of like you said, I mean, we saw, I mean, he was getting his face pretty battered in by Gaethje and it went into the fifth round or was it fourth or fifth round, they called it, but he was still was giving him everything he could handle. And then in the Oliveira fight, I've never seen someone's arm about to snap off and not get snapped off. Oh my like, god! Like there is no, there is no quit in Tony Ferguson. He will never tap to anything in the world. No, like he just won't. So like for me, and like I, Michael Chandler's not going to submit Tony Ferguson either. He, no, he, no, 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 no. He'll knock him out if anything. I don't think he'd knock him out cold though. I don't either. Like, That's Tony, why I like him by like, decision. Like yeah, Tony is still tough enough to yeah. where like Gaethje hits way harder than Michael Chandler. He proved that in their last fight. They'll, they'll call it for punches, still, but just hopefully yeah. they'll do it in the fourth. Hopefully in the third. The oh, third, I mean. Sorry. Yeah, just hopefully in the third round. So yeah, third. that'll be fine. But I just don't see a route for Tony Ferguson, to be honest with you. It hurts me to say. I know. I mean, unless he just outpoints him and doesn't get taken down. But the problem is, how's he How's he been beaten outside the Gaethje? Charles Oliveira out-wrestled him and out-muscled him. Out-grappled him completely. Darius just got him down and just controlled him that whole fight. Michael Chandler is a Division One All-American wrestler out of Missouri. Like, he could do the same, no problem, in his sleep, probably, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean... I would, the line is way too steam, though. It's too, that's way too all much. I'm going to say. Minus 410, I might take Ferguson by decision, because I think that's his only route, and I think that value when that prop comes out will be plus 600-ish. Yeah. But for as far as a straight betting perspective right now, I like the over one and a half minus one forty five. I'm with you on that. I like that. And I would take Chandler by decision just for some safe value there. Instead of, you know, all the way at minus four ten, you're gonna get some better value. There. No, no chance because I mean to Chandler to the point on Chandler is if there's one knock on him, it's been a chin issue. You know, I don't know if Tony has the power left in the tank to really do it, but still Tony Ferguson. I mean, the guy's a great striker. He get, I mean, he put on, he dropped Gaethje a few fights ago. I just so don't forget about that. I just think that Chandler controls the fight, and just you know, I don't think he knocks out Ferguson, but I think he controls majority of the fight, and you know, just has ring time of you know, 
dominating him on the ground and not really dominating him, but just controlling where Ferguson moves and what he can do. And I think yeah. that's why he goes. Well, he's, he'll, he'll, he'll have the strength advantage by a thousand right. in this fight. But the only thing I'll question about Michael Chandler is where's his head at? Because we saw in that last Gaethje fight, he was, it was one, one going to that third round in that third round. He was just kind of fucking around, right? He yeah. was just playing for the fans. Wasn't really going for it. And to me, like, that just kind of screams a guy that I don't want to put my money on and a guy that might just go in there for the paycheck and is just like, you know, there for the big fights, the bonuses, and I'm good with that. I'm fine with that, but I don't know if I want to put my money in there. Right. So for me, I'm going to sit back, enjoy this fight, probably bet the over and not take a side here because I don't want to bet against Tony Ferguson ever, and I won't. Fair. All right, we have the champion Rose Namajunas at minus 210 fighting number two, Carla Spars at plus 175. Little do or people kind of forget that this is actually a rematch from the Ultimate Fighter, you know, back back in the day when I think it was uh, Anthony Pettis and Gilbert Melendez were the coaches. That's how deep this has Jeez. been. Yeah, and uh, Carlos Barza submitted Rose Namajunas back in the day. Now Carlos Sparza was a Strike Force champion coming over, and Rose Namajunas was I think twenty two years old at the time. So two completely different fighters that we're seeing in this matchup. Um, Rose being the champion, coming off a big win against Wei Li, a, a uh, title defense against Whaley, which is fantastic for Rose. Coming in against Carla Sparza, what do you think about this matchup? I'm I'm obviously like a big Rose fan. I like Rose a lot. I know a lot of people don't. Um, I'm a little turned off by her antics lately. It's kind of pissing me off, <laughs> um, especially her fucking commercials and shit. Um, in my opinion, Rose should walk right through her. But the question is always, where is Rose head at? Yep. And it's always an excuse if she doesn't perform well that her head is not right. Uh, mental health. I. That's my biggest problem with Rose. She the Ben Simmons of women's MMA. Ooh. <laughs> Obviously a lot better, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, I guess. I don't really have a comp. Yeah, there's, NBA no, comp there's, for I mean, there's no one else that has any more mental problems, but. I, I think Rose should walk right through her. I do. It's just, do you want to lay the 210? based on who which rose is going to come out and i think what rose did do though last fight is she came out her best version and she's continued to do that her last few times in the cage which is big that means she's really taking this seriously mm-hmm. and she really loves it and her passion's still there so to me rose should walk right through her fair yeah i again i think this is a completely different matchup from the first time around um rose has improved te- tenfold you know over and over but um, I think Carlos Spars is also someone that gets pretty disrespected. We forget that, you know, two fights ago, she beat Marina Rodriguez, who's the number one challenger right now, and pretty much, you know, controlled her on the ground. And it was a very close fight, but uh, Carlos Sparza got it done, and she was a big dog, and she's always a dog in all of her fights. Yeah. And then the last one, she beats Yao, um, Yao Nan, who, again, was a big dog, and she just wrestled her and got the finish, you know? And a lot of people thought it was going to be Wei Li and Yao Nan, you know, big title fight, and then we get these two. So... I think Asparza is a little undervalued. Um, I don't think she gets it done here, but, you know, I think uh, she's definitely dangerous. You know, if she can get Rose on her back and control her, people are going to be sweating a little bit. She's kind of the Aljamain Sterling of this <laughs> fight to Piotr Jan's Rose Namajunas. Just throwing out comps everywhere. Just I, I think constantly. This is where it goes back to there's levels to this shit. There are. And well, there's levels to this striking shit, I would almost say, because on the ground, Carla Sparza. I am pretty confident can if she gets on top of Rose, can control minutes and win minutes on top. And it yeah, I think I think a big factor in this is like one like I said, levels. 
you know, and it's not like Esparza has been really dominant. She's won a couple split decisions in her last couple fights. You know, take away the last fight, but no, they're always grinder fights. Yeah, they're, they're grinder always fights. And I think here's my take on the UFC right now, and I think more so than ever before, mm-hmm. your camp has a lot to do with how you've been performing. Yeah, no, like agreed. these top tier camps are getting so fucking good. Jason Whitman, you got Rose, Gaethje, Usman, and they all fought in that one last card in Madison Square Garden with Usman uh, Covington. They all won and they all look fantastic. Yeah, I think these camps are just taking fighters mm-hmm. to another level. Yeah. And if you can get a part of one of these camps, I think you have a chance to be dominant for a long time. Yeah, you level up. Yeah, for sure. So I like Rose here. Um, I like Rose by uh, TKO. Okay. Yeah, I mean, overall, I like Rose. I think just her overall game, just the improvements we've seen out of her, kind of like what you touched on earlier. I thought Wei Lee definitely even on the feet had more of an advantage in that fight and you know we saw back and forth just really good mixed martial arts you know display by both by both women in that fight so i think um rose will do it like i said on the feet i think rose should thoroughly dominate carlos bras is not comfortable on the feet at all i think if rose can keep her distance and kind of do her thing on top i could see her getting the finish i mean we're talking about a girl that's knocked out way lee in the first fight and also knocked out you know joanna and jaychuk who you know, what a lot of people say has the best hands of women in MMA history. Right. So, and Rose has done it. So, you got to think about it that way. So, um, I'm going to take Rose here. I'm actually fine laying the 210 in this fight. Okay. I think that's actually a pretty, pretty it's decent line. Not a bad line. value. Not a bad value. I agree. And I think that's going to get steamed to 300 by fight time. So, if you're listening to this early, take it before it gets steamed because I definitely could see that getting I would hammered. take Rose by knockout. I think Rose by knockout. I want to see the over under on it as mm-hmm. well. It's four and a half, and the over is like Ooh. 185. Ugh, yeah, I I would stick to Rose by knockout. Okay, fair enough. Can I? I'm gonna make one comment on Rose, and here's another reason why I think it, I'm so confident in Rose. There is a very, very, very there's an issue with UFC judges. We all know that, but my other issue with UFC judges is favorites, and not only like champion favorites, but fan favorites get a rub in every single decision. Yeah, yeah. We saw this That's last weekend new. in the Andre Arlovsky fight. I thought it was pretty clear Jake Collier won at least two rounds. And I love Andre Arlovsky. I do. But as a true fan of the sport, I completely disagree with that decision. I thought Jake Collier easily won that fight. And it was just pretty upsetting because, I mean, Arlovsky was like, I, I, my coaches and I were both pretty worried going into that decision. Yeah. yeah. He didn't say he lost, but he said, I was very worried going into that decision. And you saw Jake Collier's face. He was so frustrated. Like, And that's just what it is. And to me... That last Wei Lee fight, I thought Wei Lee won the fight 3-2. And I think two judges even scored it 4-1 Rose, which I thought was ridiculous. Right. I thought 3-2 Rose or Wei Lee, close fight, I'm fine with it. But someone, two people scored it 4-1 Rose, and I was like, I just disagreed with that. Well, I just thought that was kind of ridiculous. You and I watched that fight, you and I watched that fight together. What did you think? I think it's the, I mean, to me at the end of the day, I, I get what you're saying. and I, it, There's obviously a problem, and we've said it forever. You got to take the belt from someone. You know, you can't not dominate a fight and expect to win the belt. And I get that. And but but you're right. Like it should never it shouldn't have been 4-1 by any measure. No. It should have been 3-2 and Wait, was on top for two rounds completely. Yeah. In that and, fight. And one was very close. And it's a judge problem and we're not going to get into that really today, but um it is a it is a point where it's like you have to really take the belt. And you have to go and dominate in order to win the belt. Uh, you know what? That's an, that's another conversation for another day. Yeah. 
It's another conversation for the day. I just think if you win three rounds, you should win the fight. But anyway, um, let's get into the main event. We have Charles Oliveira, the champion. He's going up against Justin Gaethje, number one. Oliveira is a minus 165, 170 on some books right now, and Gaethje is a plus 140. This is, uh, again, contrasting styles. A lot that we've seen going on in this card. You said you had a lot to say on this fight. These are, you know, one of your favorites, one of your least favorites. What do you have? Um, let's start with Gaethje. Uh, one thing with Gaethje, um, very impressive his last time out. Like, tip my cap. Trevor Whitman, yeah. yeah. Like you said with the coaching. Like, really impressive. He um, just handled the fight from the beginning. Um, I thought he looked good in all aspects. You know, I thought it was the best version of Gaethje we've seen. Um, but then you look at Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira continues to kind of get disrespected in my mind of how good he really is. And I know he's been around for a while and um, all that, but... He's taking his lumps. He's Yeah, he has. And, and he's just proven that he's gotten so much better over time. And I've been a Charles Oliveira guy. I've been, a, been on him for the last year and a half. If Gaethje's going to win this fight... I think Gaethje has to knock him out in the first round. We've so, we've seen some vulnerability out of Oliveira in the first round, and I think in the Chandler fight, in the Chandler, in the Dustin fight, yes, yes. So we, Gaethje has the hands to do it. Oh yeah. Do I? Does Gaethje it, hits harder than them, I think, too. Pure yeah, power. I think yeah. he has more pure power. Yeah, I think. I mean, him and Dustin. I think you can argue it. I think Dustin's a better technical boxer, but yeah. I think Gaethje. Fair. Strictly power has a little bit more pop. Fair. Um, but all in all, I think Oliveira wins the fight. I think Gaethje has a window of about two to three minutes to win it. And if he doesn't, the fight's fucking over. <laughs> it's over. If he gets in this, if he gets past like the four and a half minute mark of the first round, because obviously the, I think the first minute, nothing's going to happen. So you have between the second minute and the four and a half <laughs> mark to knock his ass out, Gaethje. Oh, you're, you're fucked. You're fucked. <laughs> you're completely fucked. And. Here's my thing with Gaethje. Like, which Gaethje are we going to see? Are we going to see the Chandler Gaethje? Or are we going to see the Gaethje with the tail between his legs against fucking Khabib? And that was a big fight for Gaethje, and he did not show up for that fight. And people say, yeah, he won a round, but he did not look like his best version in that fight. He looked scared in that fight. He looked, you know, and I, I don't know if he'll, he've learned from it, and he'll come out and, you know, leave everything on the table. But Oliver is a fucking dog. He's a... He's a bad motherfucker, and I think I, I think he he handles Gaethje in this fight. I fucking love your love for Oliveira. I fucking love it. Ever since the Ferguson fight, you've been fucking yeah all over him, which I love. But yeah, I'll um, I'll get into the fight, and I'll talk about Gaethje first, kind of like you did. Gaethje's evolution for me as a fan has it's improved so much when he first got into the UFC and he was just a brawler. Like I'm one of the only people I like that doesn't like Gaethje. Yeah, no, cause he's, he's so a, much action. Yeah, everyone yeah. loves watching his fights. The Khabib fight just fucking ruined him for me forever. Well, because everyone wanted Gaethje to win yeah, so bad. And I I'm did sure too. you do too. And he just got fucking choked out. And I was like, all right, tight. Yeah. But everyone does. I, I get it. Khabib, I get it. Yeah. So now, and I'll get to the Khabib fight in a second. But with, with Gaethje, I just think his evolution, he has gotten a lot better. And that's my point is, at first it was just a brawler. It was just a guy that was going to go in there and get knocked, be kill or be killed. That was that was Justin Gaethje at first. Like he went five rounds with Michael Johnson and almost got knocked out. And Michael Johnson is not 
Charles Oliveira. You know what I mean? Right. So the levels that he's gotten to since then is been very impressive. And to your point earlier, I think Trevor Whitman and his evolution, we saw it in that Ferguson fight. You know what I mean? The patience that he had, picking his shots, counter-punching. You know, that's how he was able to win those fights. And that's how he was able to beat Michael Chandler. Stay in the pocket. Be patient. Pick your shots. Get it done. He's gotten so much better on that. Um, the Mike, You know, his last performance against Michael Chandler, what impressed me actually and something that we were we kind of underestimated on him was actually his defensive wrestling. Uh, Michael Chandler wasn't able to get him down at all. Right. You know, which is something that was very interesting because Khabib took him down like it was nothing. But there's levels. Khabib is that level. That's, that's you know, that's goat tier. That's God tier for wrestling and takedowns, right? Right. Michael Chandler just wasn't there that night, and that's fine. But that also proved to me that, hey, Justin Gaethje actually does have some wrestling chops. But we also mentioned it, as you mentioned it with Chandler earlier, mm-hmm. Chandler didn't show up for that third round. No, not at all. And it was 1-1. Yeah, it was. So, I, you got to take that consideration. No, I am. Too. I definitely am. And, but I mean, the overall point, like I said, Justin Gaethje has the pop, like you said. Like we saw in that Dustin Poirier fight. I mean, Charles Oliveira was getting bobbled <laughs> almost that he entire almost, first yeah, round. He got Same out. with the Michael Chandler fight. He, that's just, but that's Charles Oliveira. He's it not. Is. He's not in a fight until he's literally put on his ass yeah. from strikes. Like until he's knocked down, he's like, okay, now I need to f- start fucking. <laughs> it's like you got to activate him. together. Yeah, you got to no, activate it's literally. Him. <laughs> yeah, it's like almost Colby Covington. They they get knocked down every fight, but they're still fucking dudes. Yeah, like, like they're still fucking guys. Like he wants to get knocked down to start the fight. Not even want. He needs to. Yeah, he needs. He to. literally needs to to get it going. And, yeah. Um, but all I'm gonna say is don't underestimate Justin Gaethje in this fight. Like I said, I've actually I underestimated him against. Charles Oliveira, I underestimated against Tony Ferguson, and he's gotten better, and he's proven me wrong in those fights. So for me, as like you said, I, I actually do think his only route is to knock out Charles Oliveira. Yeah. I don't think, I don't even think he can win minutes, to be honest with you. No, I don't think so either. Because like, I'll get into Charles Oliveira, and the way I look at Charles Oliveira and how he's fought in recent fights is he is like literally the big bad wolf. Like, yeah. if your house is not made out of bricks, you're fucked. If yeah. you're if Charles if Justin Gaethje's game plan is not brick solid, rock solid, and he is not fucking prepared in every way, sense or form to not go to the ground with Charles Oliveira, he is fucked. Because what we saw from his performance again against Dustin Poirier, look at Poirier against Khabib versus Gaethje against Khabib. Dustin Poirier got taken down to the ground multiple times against Khabib. He didn't get submitted until the fourth. You know what I mean? Right. The minute that Justin Gaethje was on the ground against Khabib, it was over. Over. It was fucking over. Oliveira and, against Oliveira. You see? What? Yeah. Oliveira yeah. against Gaethje. It was fucking over. Or Khabib against Gaethje. Sorry. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. It was over yeah, yeah. as soon as that fight went to the ground. So the level of jujitsu that we saw in, you know, Justin Poirier, he's a good jujitsu guy. You know what I mean? You know, and maybe Gaethje's a little bit of a better wrestler. But we saw that once, once Khabib was on the ground with him, it was fucking over. And I think... Oliveira has obviously better jujitsu than fucking Khabib in submission game. So if it gets on the ground for a second, I don't think Justin Gaethje is going to survive at all. And I think he's going to be like, Oliveira is going to be pressuring, 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 pressuring. Yeah. He's going to be, I'm going to make you run back to the cage and you're either going to knock me out or I'm going to take, I'm going to clinch you up and take you down, trip takedown or anything. And that's the other thing is Michael Chandler is a very, you know, he's a, he's an NCAA wrestler, right? It's a very traditional form of wrestling and takedowns. Charles Oliveira can take you down with trips. He can body lock you. He can take you down any way, shape, or form. He can throw you. It's different. And Gaethje, I don't think he has, he's as prepared for those takedowns as he is the traditional takedown. What Oliveira does 
And what he did to Dustin is he puts people on the defensive early. And he, I've never seen Dustin that defensive in a fight early. He knew yes. if I am fucked if I go to the ground. Like, I am completely fucked. Mm-hmm. And it affected his boxing to a certain extent. Yeah, because he was worried about He was worried about the whole... Down. And as soon as he went down, fucking blah, 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 game over. Yeah. And I think that could happen. And I think Gaethje's game plan needs to be leave it all on the, on the ring. If I get taken down and I get fucking choked out, so be it. But I'm going to get my best punches off. So I'm that's gonna... that's kind of old Gaethje, though. But I think that's his only route to win. I don't think he has enough takedown defense to, to win this fight. If it goes longer than the first round. Well, the funny thing is, it's not even takedown defense because Charles Oliveira didn't even take down Dustin Poirier. Remember the first one, he fell yeah, and right. they scrambled and it was just in full guard and he was just so scared, he just kept him in full guard. Yeah. And then the other time, he just jumped on his fucking back from yeah. the clinch yeah. and he was just fucked. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's not even takedowns. That's my thing with Charles Oliveira. It's like, it doesn't even matter. And that's why I think Gaethje's game plan, he has to fight a flawless fight. So what's the game plan for Gaethje then? What's the blueprint for him to win this fight? He has to keep him at range. He has to he has to survive on the ground because I think the thing about Charles Oliveira, it's almost inevitable that you're going to be you're gonna get in a bad situation. That was my next question is should the game plan be, you know, expect to be on the ground at some point? Or do whatever you can not to get on the ground. It's both. It's both. You have to do both. Because I think Gaethje has to stay at that kickboxing range. He cannot. Gaethje has some of the nastiest leg kicks there are in the UFC. Like, Gaethje could effectively kick out Charles Arvarez, Charles Arvarez' front left leg and almost make it hard for him to move. He could do that. Gaethje has very fucked up some legs before in the past. So he could do that and make it very hard for Charles to move. And he can keep him at kickboxing range because he can be faster than him and just move, kick move kick just fuck up that lead leg of his he could do that and keep in kickboxing range and maybe win minutes that way and find an opening knock him out like i said before i think a knockout's his only way to win because i just think charles Oliveira is gonna be chasing him all day and just gonna Relentless. be it's just gonna be finding him he's gonna be finding him. you're gonna go to the clinch and that's the thing is charles Oliveira. yes he gets knocked down but he took every single one of those massive punches from poirier he, he took some big fucking punches and- so and and to his credit he gave some big punches, too. I think Charles Oliveira has got underrated boxing as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, he knocked out Michael Chandler. We, I know we talked about that earlier, but, I mean, the guy's got hands, too. So he's going to be in there, too. I don't think it's going to be so one-sided on the feet is my other point. Oh, like, interesting. Well, I don't think he's going to, you know, knock him out just straight up by boxing. But, like, in the clinch, things like that, he's going to make it hard for Gaethje to move. He's going to be all over him. I think he's going to be a lot more cautious with Gaethje standing up than he was with Poirier or Chandler. Could be. Um, I think he obviously is going to try to get this fight to the... I don't think he was scared of Chandler's stand-up game. That's why he knocked him out. I don't see a knockout here, um, but I, I think he's going to prevent it from getting to that point. I, I mean, I could see him like by punches, but I, I think he gets him to the ground as, as soon as he possibly can. I really think that Charles Oliveira could win a decision. I think he could win a submission, and I think he could technically knock him out on the ground, too. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants. But <laughs> Charles Oliveira, you fucking love him. I love him. Is he, like, like climbing the ranks on, like, your favorite fighters of all time at this point? I, he's getting close. I It actually hurt me when he beat Dustin. Yeah. It, like, I wanted Dustin to have the belt, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, I like Just Oliveira. for legacy. Just for legacy, yeah. I wanted... That one actually, like... I wasn't like obviously mad, but I was a little sad. Like I was a little sad that Dustin lost that fight. Yeah. And but 
that was the best version of Dustin we've seen. And we were all in agreement. Oh, that first round, Dustin looked unreal. And that's all the Dustin we've, like, coming into that fight, everyone's like, Dustin. But, but that's almost Oliveria. He lost the first round of Chandler and almost got his fucking head bobbled in, too. That's what he does. And then guess what? Second round, chaos. Gaethje, you got two and a half minutes, buddy. <laughs> Gaethje, honestly, he is that, he is the kid with the finger in the dam. Like, if you do not take, if you keep your finger on that dam, you might be okay for a little bit. The second you put your finger on that down, the whole fucking city's gonna collapse. And Charles Oliveira is gonna bring every fucking ounce of Charles Oliveira you're gonna get, and you are fucked. What bet are you taking? I, I'm gonna be honest, I don't love Charles Oliveira at like anything over minus 200. I, right now he's at 175. I might take a stab at that. I think that's okay. Um, the line's at one and a half, and I fucking hate that line. Like, if it was at two and a half, I would bet the under right away. One and a half is like, because like you said, Charles Oliveira doesn't get started until the second round. Right. So, like, for me, it's like, fuck, like, it could go over one and a half. That's only seven and a half minutes. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's going to go over there. I don't have a lot more props. Obviously, Oliveira by sub is definitely one I'm going to look at. I think Oliveira by, or uh, fight doesn't go to decision. That's yeah. going to be a great bet. I love that one. It's going to be steamed, but I still think that's free money. To be honest with you, that'll probably be like a 250 range bet, but I think it's free. I think it's a free bet, honestly, at that point, because I just don't see a decision happening. Either Gaethje's going to rip his head off or Oliveira's going to choke his head off. You know what I mean? So, I mean, something's going to happen in this fight. Whether It's it's a violence fight, because that's all Charles Oliveira does. Oliveira in the over. Bucket. Over? Yeah. He's going to win in the second. Just end of the second. End, end of the second or early third. Like... He like okay. I think he dominates the second. And you think Gaethje's game plan is going to be his defense will hold up enough to get to the third round? Possibly, possibly. Yeah, possibly. Okay, so we're we're on Oliveira. We've we've talked it up. What's next for him? Because I I have a very distinct route that I think could get him like lightweight goat status potentially. Khabib. He beats Gaethje here. He fights Islam Mahashev, calls out Khabib. Fucking chokes out Khabib. He's the fucking. Oh, fuck. he, he's the goat at that point. The goat. He he fuck. would be the that just goat gave me chills. of light. He would be the lightweight goat if he did that. That I haven't even thought about it that far, right? Because he beats Khabib's fucking boy, and then he fucking chokes I out. I would Khabib. fucking love that shit. Honestly, I mean, we're at that point where Charles Oliveira, his his style, his grappling, his jujitsu, I think can has the chops to be a Khabib. Wow. Because he'll be dangerous in every position. Khabib's already mentioned him once, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, he was very impressed after. Yeah, yeah. He was impressed after the Ferguson fight. He said something. He was like, holy fuck. He might be be the best pound for pound guy. Yeah, he said that's fucking nasty. But he then was watching closely the Poirier-McGregor fight. And then when Poirier beat him, he was like, never mind. I'm good. Because he thought McGregor would win. He thought about it. Right. But then, you know. Fucking, he beats Chandler. He beats Poirier. I think there's something in the water. If if it is... If he beats his boy... If he beats his boy, I think he would for sure come back. I think he fucked up his boy, too. I'm more... Oh, man. I want that fight so bad. That line would be kind of crazy to see. Because, I mean, Mahachev was a minus fucking, like... Against Bobby Green, he was, what, minus 1,200? Yeah. Like, his lines get steamed. And, you know, he's he's a great fighter, too, but... Does he have his next fight booked? No. More than likely RDA. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna try and rebook that or Daryush, one or one well, or the I'd other. I'd like to see Daryush. I'd love to see that fight because those yeah. are two physical one fifty five pounders. Yeah, but either way, that's the UFC. 
kind of outlook. Let's go. Super fired up on the fight. It's going to be in Arizona, um, which is Gaethje's backyard, which will be cool too. Yeah. So we'll see how it plays out, but I'm really excited for where the UFC's been. Yeah. So that's uh, the end of our episode. Obviously, all your draft content, our UFC content. Uh, we'll be back to get a breakdown of this UFC um, big time card. Hopefully, all of everyone wins it. But we're out. Like, subscribe. We're out.